Welcome to the Pop Goes the Culture podcast for Friday, January the 29th. We are coming to you from our separate homes across the Midwest. My name is Joey Mills, and joining me today on the show, I've got... Brandon Parnes. Caleb. Curtis. Redbeard's ear. Brandon kind of had a little. <laughs> Brandon had a little bit of Max Headroom going on there. I think I got I got a little choppy on this end about the time he has introduced himself. <laughs> so that was kind of a flashback there moment. Uh, but we are a bunch hey. of. No, you're good. We're a bunch of fans, artists, creators, and critics from the Midwest talking entertainment and pop culture, taking your comments, and whatever. Thanks to everybody joining us on the live stream tonight on the Pop Goes the Culture Facebook page, our Twitch channel, on the YouTube channel, and to everybody listening to the podcast whenever and wherever you're catching it down the road from when we're recording it. It's a great show for you this week. Of course, we've got all your entertainment and pop culture news. We've got another pop quiz. We're going to be giving away some more retrofied magazine digital downloads codes and this week so it's royal rumble week for the wrestling fans among us um and so we have a special guest interview later on we've got award-winning comics writer steve orlando who's talking comics of course but he's also talking wrestling with us and how do those two things match up you might be wondering uh steve does a pretty good job of tying them together and laying it all out it's a it was a fun conversation i think everybody that's listening is going to enjoy that so we'll get to that show Shortly before we do, we're going to take a quick break, talk to uh, talk some folks with My Drunk Movie Theater, and then we'll be right back right after this. Hi there, I'm Kyle Sutton. I'm Trisha Campbell. And we're the hosts of My Drunk Movie Theater. Join us every week as we go through the silly things that we wind up getting up to at our job working at a local multiplex. We also talk about all the current events that are happening in the movie world that affect us and affect you as the viewers. Trisha? We also get off topic quite a bit and we'll ramble, so there's that too. Yeah, well, you know, alcohol does that to you. So hit the subscribe button. You can follow us, listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, almost anywhere that your podcasts are available. All right, so what has everybody been up to in the last week or so since we all got together? Some of us, it's been longer than a week, so uh, what's everybody been watching, playing, reading, doing, listening to in the last oh, week or so, since we last got together, I guess? And whoever wants to go can go. Uh, uh, not everybody at once. God go, damn it. Go, go, <laughs> go ahead. Go, Kenny, go. Okay, I'll, I'll start out with my bullshit. Uh I've had a sciatic nerve issues, but my first time having this, and I did not care for it. And, uh, <laughs> really, still recovering. But uh, what I started watching uh, the show Numbers, and I've gotten most of the way through that because I've been sitting or just pacing the floor, whatever hurts less. And uh, I've caught the first couple episodes of Batwoman, and. Uh, as far as anything else, just kind of, you know, just trying to get better. So right. that's, that's not too exciting, but that's what I've been doing. So <laughs> right on. How about you, Curtis? I know you're ready to jump in. Uh, I shot on a music video. It was oh, interesting. Yeah. What, what were yeah. you doing? I was cheating on my wife with a cute blonde girl. Nice. And we have that oh, on yeah. film. So we know it's the land of make-believe. <laughs> 
Yep. <laughs> and uh, let's see, what what did I? I discovered a new doom metal band called. Really? Something. <laughs> <laughs> they were that good, are uh, they? Well, that's really a great good. impression. Yeah. I, uh, I just can't remember their name. It's kind of a, they're out of uh, Denver, Colorado. I'll, I'll, I'll remember later. I'll bring it up when we take a break. <laughs> Fair um, enough. And, uh, and I, uh, this might be um, controversial. Uh-oh. I spent $8 and I purchased Louis C.K.'s stand-up special that came out. And it was hysterical. So you know you you, you could have bought two shares of Game Stock Game Stop stock. I know, <laughs> and turned around and sold that for like eighty bucks now or some shit. Yeah, yeah I was reading about that. Yeah, and we'll, I, we'll talk about that. I'm, I'm always sure. missing my opportunity. Anybody else, Brad? Um, I'm a billionaire. I haven't really been doing shit. <laughs> Fair I enough. started watching. I've started watching a show on PBS uh-huh. uh, called Miss Scarlet and the Duke, which is like a British <laughs> Sherlock. Uh, it's like it's like a Sherlock Holmes esque series with a female lead. It's kind of a, it's kind of interesting. I've, hmm. I've been enjoying it. I saw the remake that they did on Pornhub the other day. It was pretty good. Right? It's a terrible title. Like, I, I almost skipped past it the moment I saw what it was called. Like this sounds awful. But it, I kept getting Sherlock Holmes vibes from it, and so I ended up watching it. Now I've watched like two or three episodes. Yeah, I get a lot of Sherlock Holmes vibes from my porn, too. <laughs> like, where did they hide the sausage? I don't know. <laughs> there it is. No, it's gone. <laughs> there it is. No, it's gone. There it is again. Nope, it's out again. That's funny. <laughs> How about you, Brandon? What have you been up to? Uh, I so, so, in terms of what I've been... <laughs> In terms of what I've been watching, uh, I started a show a couple of days ago that's on Disney Plus that came out late last year called Magic of Disney Animal of Disney's Animal Kingdom. It's a docu series about the animals and the people who take care of them over at Animal Kingdom. That's a fun show I watch in the morning. And then I just finished um, the five tar- the five part documentary series from Showtime about the Comedy Store that came out late last year. Uh, Mike Binder, who's a former comedian and director and actor, he did this five-part documentary series and has interviews with Holly Mandel, uh, David Letterman, Jay Leno, Jim Carrey, Michael Keaton, uh, Nikki Glaser, Eliza Schlesinger, just a bunch of comedians who have worked the store over the years. And I just finished it. It's, it was really interesting and really good. I love I, – there's not many of them, but I love – docu-series about comedy and this is one of them there's the history of comedy from cnn which is on hbo max is really good uh and it's uh yeah that's right what i've been watching among other stuff that i won't get into i did catch the uh belushi film documentary that they did for showtime i think it was late last year as well and came out in november uh, that was really good as well uh, so yeah, if anybody yeah it was it was really pretty good well cool so it was on hbo right no showtime Showtime. Um, the fucking yeah. listen, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, I did say HBO because the CNN uh, right. documentary series, History of Comedy, is on there. And I also finished uh, History of Swear Words, which is on Netflix, which is kind of adjacently <laughs> similar. It's it's a comedic docuseries, but not necessarily a docuseries about yeah, comedy. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Nicholas Cage being Nicholas yeah. Cage. 
<laughs> it was <laughs> for it what was that's worth. And very digestible. That's what she said. I know. Right on. Well, let's see. Yeah, go ahead, Curtis. God damn it, Curtis! You already had your chat. Um, <laughs> Did you so look up the I... name of the band? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. My go phone's ahead. in use. Uh, wow. Brad. Brad gave me a heart attack today. Oh yeah. Oh, you don't need to tell that. Yeah. Don't. Go ahead, tell no, us that story. No, no, no. Uh, it's just. Stop. I'm fucking mute. He's, He's like, let me. I want to show you what I learned on PBS, <laughs> the series I got. <laughs> this, thing, this is how you stop a wild animal from attacking. What? <laughs> Oh wow, sure that's a deep enough, cut. That's no, that's going zero. back a couple of years. Wow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's been a minute since we had that uh, that discussion. All right. Well, let's see. Here's what I've been doing in the last week or so. I've been trying to think of it today because I was sitting down like, what the hell did I do? I haven't really done anything. But then I got to look and I was like, oh shit, I did quite a bit. Uh, so I caught finally on Shutter. I finally caught Mortuary Collection, which I know Curtis and I have talked about my love for anthology goofy ass horror stuff so it was pretty good clancy brown in the in the lead on that one it's a four four short anthology um that's kind of got a twist into it it's it's really fun if you like the tales from the crypt type stuff or creep show it's it's kind of along those lines uh cut at the i hate horror but i love clancy brown this one's pretty good. It's not. It's not hard horror. It's a lot more fun. And then, like I said, they, they've got a. What's that? No, the, the something you said. I like no. my horror hard. Well, I know Curtis does. That's not the only thing he <laughs> likes like, hard. I like my PBS series likes hard his too. Horror's hard. There you go. Uh, I caught the season premiere of Snowpiercer. Is anybody else watching Snowpiercer? I know Caleb does, but he's not here. No, uh, uh, I haven't gotten. I haven't gotten through the first season to be honest. So I. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I started literally the first episode like two days ago, and I got about five minutes in. And I was just like, "Not today." Yeah, there weren't but any it, buzzers. It, it looked promising, and like I've heard people sing its praises, but I I've said it before. I'm not good at watching one hour drama type shows, even if they're like action, like like. I'm just, I just don't have the attention span for him. Right on. If David Diggs bought a Val, it would have gotten you. I don't even like Wheel of Fortune that much. <laughs> if, he, if he had buzzed in with the correct answer. No. Uh, let's see. <laughs> keep it. There you go. No whammies. Keeping up with uh, WandaVision. I don't even like it when the sitcoms go on a fake game show. Right. You know, like it's when like, like there'll be a sitcom yeah. and they go on a game show, but it's like not a real game show. And all the rules make no sense and all that stuff. I don't even like that. Uh, anybody else watching WandaVision? Kenny, you're keeping Moving up with on. it, aren't you? Yeah, I'm watching it. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for tomorrow. You're just watching it, yeah. It's, uh, we're recording on Thursday, so nobody's seen episode four yet. So that's we're, we're, I, yeah. it's my understanding it takes a hard left turn in episode four. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, that's what I've read. How many Sunday. episodes is it? Uh, it's only it's, it's it's nine, but the first two released the first weekend, so it's like so almost it's eight weeks. It's eight weeks, eight nine weeks. Episodes. Yeah. So I'm halfway through spoiler territory. You're about three weeks through spoiler territory, so you got about five okay. to go. Yeah. So w- w- then we can talk <laughs> about I, it. <laughs> I mean, I've kind honestly, of challenged myself to get through the entire series without seeing any spoilers. Yeah. And so far, so good. 
Well, we will not spoil you. Go ahead. Like, I've looked at the spoilers after I've watched the episode. Yeah. Just to see, okay, did I miss anything? Did I miss a reference? You know, whatever. And I mean, really with this show, you could you could know the spoilers and turn around and watch it and it doesn't spoil anything for you. I and mean, the and the spoilers yeah, are really they were real. Yeah, the spoilers have been like, ooh, did you catch this in the background? It may or may not mean something. It's like, well, that's not really a spoiler. That's more speculation. And and like at this early in the show, like some people have, some people have criticized of, criticized the show of not revealing too much of what it is yet. Right. But I think that's part of its plan. Whether you like it or not, think it's a good way to do it or not. That's. I think it's part of its plan to like have the first three weeks be um or a little two, slower, a little more mysterious. Yeah, yeah, and and not give the game away and like what do the characters want yet? Like you're trying to world build and with a movie and certain series, you can you you can do that. But with this, this is a new medium for Marvel Studios proper. So and they're still figuring it out. Maybe they'll learn from WandaVision, and even though it may have worked for WandaVision, and uh, yeah, they might learn to do it differently with another show. I don't know, but I I think like I was I've been chomping at the bit to tell my dad what could what what I think is happening in the show, like even before the show premiered. Right, but. I don't even think what I think is happening is happening. Right. No, so. it's they're they're like right now. <laughs> yeah. Is this real? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if this is real sometimes. Uh let's see. I've been keeping up also with the stand over on CBS All Access. Um Oh, that's going? Okay. It's going. <laughs> Kind of wish it wasn't anymore. It, kind of waiting for it. To, it it's just they, they've made some really good casting decisions, and the actors are doing a really good job. It's just the screenwriting is not very good, and the format, then the way they the way they cobbled this thing together, they're not telling a linear chronological story. That makes it worse. And then some of the decisions they made of like, well, why do you even need that character? Because you changed the story so much that that character doesn't need to exist. You could have saved that however much money you paid that actor or actress to not been in there and spend a little bit of time that meant nothing before telling us, you know, some of the stuff that would be more important that you left out. It's just they've, they've made some choices that I don't quite understand. But the cast it's is solid. Like, it's kind of like Lovecraft Country. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, where you're like, what are they doing? Why are you doing this? Yeah, yeah that, that's a good. That's a actually a really good analogy. Uh, comic side, I've been catching up with a few comic books. I've uh, been reading a couple books. Been playing a little bit of World of Warcraft, trying to get back into that a little bit because I haven't for a while. But I've so I've been turned on to this new, new to me, not new in general, but uh, another genre of music that somebody was like, you should be listening to this shit. So I was like, okay, I'll listen to some of that shit. I'm like, oh, that's not so bad. It's called uh, it's e- it's either called neo folk. Or doom folk. It's like the shit you would hear at a Renaissance festival if they were like, if it was also the same weekend of like a horror convention. 
<laughs> it's kind of you know what i'm saying it's like it's like if you were like standing in the parking lot and like on this side of the fairgrounds they were having a ren fest and then the other side was like days of the dead or something it's like and the two musics were playing you'd be like oh this is kind of a cool dark ambient you know do you know any, know any names of bands no, I don't know any bands. I just I, <laughs> okay. I pulled up I pulled up the Spotify playlist. They said check out uh, neo folk or doom folk. I'm like okay, I'll look. So I pulled up Spotify and somebody else had made a playlist. And I just hit play and I was like, oh, that's that's not so bad. I can I can kind of do. Me and Joey are into we're into doom. Doom. You got the doom metal doom. that you don't know the names of the band, and I've got the doom folk that I don't know the names of the bands either. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's well, take a look. Enjoy the music. That's right. Fuck it. I don't need to know who it is. I'm just getting it off Spotify. <laughs> so that's fine. Well, let's take a look at the top five stories in entertainment and pop culture this week. It's been a busy week trying to pare this down to five stories. And I know some of you guys have stories you've been watching as well. Let's start with number five. The Walt Disney Company confirmed this week that their popular Disneyland and Walt Disney World attractions, Jungle Cruise, will be getting an update, which will take out some of the racially insensitive components that fans have been upset about for years. Walt Disney was kind of a flaming racist and homophobe and just not a good guy in general. He's a um, anti-flaming racist. Yeah, he's, he's just yeah. not a good cat. Uh, somebody should like thaw that head out and fucking kick it to the curb. But anyway... <laughs> So, you know, they've got the the Rock and Emily Blunt have a version, a film version of the Jungle Cruise coming up. So it's going to be popular just like they did with Pirates of the Caribbean, just like they've been doing with Splash Mountain. Um, they're just going to take out some of the uh, some of the really racist shit out of the out of the Jungle Cruise, which makes sense. It's probably going to be popular. They're probably going to put an animatronic version of the Rock in the ride somewhere like they did with Johnny Depp and Pirates of the Caribbean ride. So spoilers for those of you that haven't ridden. Pirates of the Caribbean. Is, the, is What's the Johnny Depp still in there? <laughs> From what I understand, they haven't taken the Johnny Depp out yet. Yes, <laughs> that would be the next thing that they have to remove. Does, I thought he just does it on the weekends. He if, he if does. If the animatronic yeah. starts beating the other animatronics, then they might take him out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, he does show up in costume. Just shows up yeah, on the weekends. Once, yeah. Yeah. No, he's done it a few times. <laughs> From what I understand, if he's got a yeah, free weekend, he just shows up. <laughs> Could you imagine if they had an animatronic or whatever Amber Heard's character <laughs> is from Warner Brothers and it just showed up at the Disneyland park and it just fought the animatronic of Johnny uh, Depp. Mira. It'd be like yeah, a Mira. fucking, what would that be? Two animatronics fighting? Like, it feels like, it feels like a shitty, like, wasn't there a bad Hugh Jackman movie about that? Where it was like oh, Rock and uh, Sock and Robots. Real Steel? There you go. Yeah. It's like the Rock and Sock and Robots movie, which yeah. I guess is took inspiration from a Richard Matheson story. <laughs> but whatever. Loosely <laughs> loosely based on I'm I guessing. Saw it, I, guess sadly. I guess that's two Hugh Jackman movies about robots, Chappie and Rio Steel. Was yeah. he in Chappie? Was he in Chappie? Yeah. He was in Chappie. Yeah. Was he Chappie? <laughs> no, that was Charlo. All right, number four. A few. This is uh, the sad news. I, I could have put this at number five, but I didn't want to lead with the downer, so I moved it up to number four. Uh, we lost a few entertainment legends in the past week. <laughs> Fuckers are dropping over left and right in the last week. First up, we had. We'll start with the young ones, and we'll work our way up. First of all, we had Larry King passing away at the age of eighty-seven. Dude was in the <laughs> entertainment business for sixty-three years. Uh, 
everybody um. everybody knows Larry <laughs> King. Fucking, he was in Ghostbusters yeah. for God's sake. Hit long time on right. CNN. Yep. So a friend of mine was Connect like, you know, me. you're on the air. A friend of mine was just like, you know, he was like 118. You know, it's probably about time. I don't mean to be insensitive. It was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he felt all 118 years of, you know, pain. And she's like, well, those suspenders were the only thing holding them together. <laughs> <laughs> that that comment but, made me laugh really hard. <laughs> but the crazy thing is, he died at 87. Yeah, a lot younger than I thought he was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And based on all the jokes that have been made about Larry King's age, right, for the past sixty-three years, and he was only eighty-seven. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. The fact that he was only eighty-seven was the surprising thing in the story. I think for everybody, everybody's like, seriously, really, really. He's a lot younger than I thought he was. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's a you spring put, chicken. Because you heard the jokes for so many years. If you had to put he and Betty White side by side, Betty White's ninety nine, and she looked a whole what? lot younger than Larry King at eighty seven. Hell, Mel Brooks is like ninety four. Has anyone seen. actually seen Betty White? Everyone's like, "Oh, Betty White's still alive and kicking," but like, we haven't actually seen her. And they just keep posting. <laughs> we haven't seen her since uh, since um, the Emmys two years ago. You think they're and like she was looking declining? You think they're like weekend at burning her around and shit? Like she had no, she had to like be walked on, and like two years prior, she didn't have to be walked on. Right. And she was this... a little trembly in her speech and whatnot. Yeah, well, if I get to ninety nine, uh, you know, that, that's a good long run. Hopefully, we all get to that point. <laughs> get to ninety nine, and you're like Betty White's still alive. It's insane. <laughs> Shit, exactly. <laughs> uh, this week, also, we lost Cloris Leachman, prolific actress yes. and comedian. She was known a lot for her comedy stuff, but she was a pretty damn good drama- dramatic actress as well. She was ninety four yeah. years old. Speaking of ninety year old actors, actresses. She'll always be just. She's always going to be from Young Frankenstein for me, Frau Blucher, um, but yeah. or or Malcolm in the Middle. That was like the last great role that I remember her in. Was she on Malcolm? I remember she was on Raising Hope. I don't remember Malcolm in the Middle. She was on Malcolm in the Middle. She was the grandmother to all those boys, and and she was like mean from the old country. It <laughs> did things the old country way. Okay. Yeah, I remember. Her I remember. Alive. What's that? There's. Oh yeah! Well, after she replaced uh, what's her name, yeah, Charlotte Ray, yeah, yeah. She she's I been around her, forever. Uh, she was on she was on Dance with the Stars one season. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> in Jeff her nineties, uh, like I think maybe she was like seventies in her seventies. No, I think, she wasn't. It was no, like, Dance with the Stars is not twenty year old. Show. Yeah, she she, no, she no, passed I'm away at ninety four. She would have been. I meant eighties. Like, she might have been upper eighties. Yeah, like eighty nine. Uh, yeah, upper eighties, and because uh, it was like. It was 2009, I think. It was 2009. And Jeff Ross was on the year before. I think me and Jeff Ross. So he came back and did a roast on the season finale. And he made a joke. Um, Cloris, I don't know what you're doing here. You're an Oscar-winning actress. You're so old, it looks like your your partner was just dragging you across the stage like it was Weekend at Bernie's The Musical. <laughs> Nice. I'm curious to know if she was a better or worse dancer than uh, what the fuck's her name? Uh, Paul McCartney's one-legged ex-wife who was on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, Heather Mills. Is that her know. name? I think yeah. she was probably better because she was more entertaining. <laughs> yeah. And then breaking. Right... A... Go ahead. Go ahead, Brad. 
Oh, uh, there's there's an old Cloris Leachman movie that I've been actually wanting to watch for a couple of years now that I haven't gotten around to it. It was like an old film noir that she starred in, like late 40s, early 50s, somewhere around there, called um, Kiss Me Deadly, that mm. I've heard is really good, and I've been wanting to watch that. Yeah. And it's just weird to think. Like, I know her mostly as a comedic actress. Like, right. Mel Brooks stuff. Yeah. Right, from Mel Brooks style stuff. It's weird to think of her in more dramatic roles. Yeah. yeah. I've been wanting to Nielsen though. True. Yeah. I've been wanting to rewatch Beer Fest just because (laughs) you know she's like the sweet little grandma, and she's like they find out she's a whore. She's like this is how you is that the broken lizard? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You see this? This is the mark of the whore. (laughs) Uh, She she was one of a kind. (laughs) She is. She she was always yeah. She was always sassy and feisty and just like oh shit she's funny. And then like she was very game to do anything. Oh yeah, she she looked like she and she was always having fun when she was on screen. It seemed like um, breaking right as we were sitting down to record. Emmy and Tony winning actress Cicely Tyson passed away today at the oh, age no of ninety six. Yeah, ninety six years wow. old. She, she made her television or her sorry her film debut in 1957's Twelve Angry Men. Uh, she, Oscar nominated nineteen seventy three for Sounder. She received an honorary Oscar in twenty eighteen. She was nominated for like I think sixteen she or seven. Yeah, a little small she bit part. Really young. Yeah, real small bit she must part. Must have been like on. at the beginning of the movie because yeah. the rest of it is just twelve. It's angry twelve angry white. It's twelve angry white dudes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> is she? I mean, she she was in a lot of. Uh, she, I mean, nominated for a ton of Tony Awards, Emmys. She's in a lot of stuff. She's in Roots. She's in so many different things, um, but. In addition to all the stuff that she was known for, she was probably just as famous for the roles that she didn't take. She was very vocal in talking about how she was not going to play roles that she thought were demeaning to black women. She wasn't going to be your fucking maid. She wasn't going to be your prostitute. She did not. She vocally came out against all the black exploitation stuff, said, no, no, we're not doing that shit. Uh, She was even married. It is. (laughs) She was was actually, I didn't realize this, she was married to Miles Davis for seven years in the 80s. Yeah, crazy. Um, so I, I, I kid you not. Literally, like uh, PBS was showing an episode of American Masters um, that had her and Pam Greer and like a bunch of other well famous right. women from her time period, um, and they were just kind of talking about their careers and like the shit that they had to go through back in the day, and um, like yeah, they touched on her career and that quite a bit, and. Uh, so yeah, I hadn't heard that she passed until just now. It was sucks. it was literally as we were sitting down. I was like, "Oh shit, look at this yeah. story." So Breaking yeah, news. so yeah, losing a lot of uh, a lot of older folks this year. It seems like, and especially the last week. There's three big ones right there. At number three. So this one, it's all rumor. Take it with a grain of salt. Nothing's happened yet, but HBO Max is rumored to be in talks to develop a couple of different series based on some high-profile properties. Uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter, there's talks of a live-action Harry Potter one or more live-action Harry Potter television series uh, for HBO Max. Uh, currently, there's this is just they're, they're taking pitches, they're working out ideas, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. Um, also in that group, uh, they're rumored to be looking at a animated Game of Thrones spinoff for HBO Max. No, again, no, there's no scripts. There's no, there's not even a show yet. Nothing's a, nothing's attached to anything. It's just, hey, we think we'd like to do some of this stuff. Which to me, you know. 
maybe you could do some shit with that Game of Thrones if it was like some of the other animated stuff HBO's done, like that Spawn series they did like in the late 90s, early 2000s, stuff like that. I don't know that anybody's just dying for some more Harry Potter shit. I mean, based on the movies, I don't the last round of movies, I don't know that anybody's like really <laughs> breaking down the fucking office doors over at Warner Brothers to get some Harry Potter well, in the, on their HBO Max. But. What I heard is everybody was over the Game of Thrones. I, I don't even see that. I mean, that's that right there is number three because they've got the House of Dragons. Right. And then they got the Tales of uh, Duncan A or Duncan Egg, something like that. And, yeah. Uh, those yeah, are but it, If you dangle some animated incest medieval fantasy shit in front of people, they'll watch that. <laughs> Do it Ralph Bashi style. Didn't he have a cartoon in the '90s on HBO? I think so. I think there were there were a few different. Uh, HBO had some wild shit in the '90s, animated stuff. So yeah, if they're going that uh, route, then remember. But would the Game of Thrones be thing for HBO proper or HBO Max? HBO Max. All this, the everything yeah. HBO is doing there is for HBO Max because they they put so much money into HBO Max. They've got to pump out that content. Well, because so. because here's the thing. I think. Like my my how I view it is they're kind of separate they're they're shared but they're separate entities so so because it's a Warner media thing more right. than it is HBO specifically yes it's branded at HBO Max right but I feel like the stuff you could put on HBO could go on HBO Max but not necessarily the stuff you could put on HBO Max could go on HBO. Right. No, you're right. Everything that everything that's on HBO should, ends up on HBO Max. And, but yeah. this is but not necessarily the other way. And this is stuff they're talking about specifically for HBO Max to get that so to get I'm the buys like, up. Oh yeah, if like saying that yeah, the stuff HBO did in the 90s animated was good doesn't mean that that will have any effect of what HBO Max Right. No. What what we're what we're saying is that if they're going to do animation at all, and it's not going to be Cartoon Network stuff, yeah, then it needs to be if it's going to be HBO Max and it's going to be Game of Thrones, it needs to be some of the more more like what they did. I get it. Yeah. Cartoon boobies. Like heavy metal. That's right. I know they're going to do a. There's an Aquaman. Mini animated miniseries in development at HBO Max with with James Wan executive right. producing that supposed to is supposed to I think about this year. Um, yeah, that, we'll see. <laughs> I, I I'd go for that. Yeah. Well, I'm more, of, not, I'm more of a DC person. Hold on, <laughs> hold on. Go ahead, Kenny. <laughs> I was just saying that, uh, you know, with the, they've got the Peacemaker, which has got John Cena, this DC property, and then they've got the, uh, gosh, what is it? Oh, Justice League Dark mm-hmm. is being worked on, and then the Green Lantern, and they've got names like J.J. Abrams and people like that attaching themselves to these things. I see those kind of maybe taking a little bit more like front burner status and the Harry Potter and the yeah. you know Game of Thrones maybe taking we'll get to you if we get to you. Yeah. Seems like the DC these are, the this literally yeah. seems this story literally seems to me an executive was like, hey, let's leak this to the press. Oh yeah. Let, nobody's talking about us right now. So yeah, let's see if we can get people yeah. talking about and us again. And, it, and like because like it's yeah, as you said it's an idea. There's no scripts. There's no. It's not even an announcement. It's a. It's a. Hey, look at us. We're trying to do something. Probably won't happen. We're trying to do it though. 
Yeah. I don't just, know how hard we're trying even. Just keep HBO Max in on your minds and in your mouth. That's all they're asking. Yep. Speaking yeah. of Jesus name uh, Amen. At number one this week. At number one, so there's a couple of things going on here. We'll start with uh, everybody get a chance to see the Godzilla versus Kong trailer that dropped this yeah. week. Everybody yes. saw? No, cocaine hippos? No, there were. I did not. You know, they may be saving that. They are, they don't want to give everything away in the trailer. But I did not see any cocaine hippos. <laughs> the movie ends with a, a cocaine hippo orgy. <laughs> that's. I think that's post credit scene. Is what that is. Yes. Cocaine hippos, coke. <laughs> Ben, uh, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> I know, sorry. Is that that's, 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 that's the doom that's the doom metal song that you're listening to? <laughs> Am I crazy or was yes. there like a commercial ad thank you. Uh yeah, no like a commercial with uh hungry hungry hippos where it was where it was like a bump up bump up bump up hungry hungry hippo Am I crazy or and I think yeah. they're both a yes, I think, from what I understand. Okay. Uh, so what was interesting with the what was interesting with the Godzilla versus Kong trailer is that they dropped the trailer and then they moved the release date, moved it back five days. Yeah. By five days, uh, which is weird. So here's kind of the rundown. Here's where we're at because uh, we, we talked about it a little bit last week. So some of these will sound familiar, um, but we have had been mentioning for the last couple of weeks that like, Hey, we're hearing things are going to change. And here's kind of the, the latest on movie release date. So Godzilla versus Kong is March 31st. Again, that's moved. It was May. It moved to March 26th. Now it's March 31st. Peter Rabbit 2, which I know we're all looking forward to, has moved to June 11th. Uh, Cinderella, the the live-action Cinderella movie, has moved to July 16th. Summer blockbuster there. Uh, Who qua- this? <laughs> Nobody. John Disney, by the way. Uh, victims of domestic abuse. Yeah. They wanted a role model. Yep. Uh, A Quiet Place 2 has moved to September 17th. No Time to Die, we talked about, has moved to October 8th. Ghostbusters Afterlife has moved to November 11th. The Morbius film starring Jared Leto has moved to January of 2022. The Uncharted movie with Tom Holland has moved to February of 2022. We'll see if any of these actually make it to theaters uh, this calendar year. Well, I don't know. It's maybe some of those that are like October, November, but boy, I don't know. It's it's gonna just be just like the George Clooney Oscar film. It's all up in the air. You know, we skipped our number two, and I kind of did that on purpose. I I wanted to talk about this because I think there's a lot to unpack with this one, and it, this easily could have been the number one, but. Fuck it, I'm putting Godzilla Kong at number one. So let's go back one step to our number two story. <laughs> we, we've kind of joked about this a little bit before we got started as well. But uh, so <laughs> so it's, it feels like this is one of those times where there's a, a fundamental change possibly happening with our economy as uh, a bunch of Reddit shit posters have fucked over the investment world and Wall Street hedge fund bankers. Um, so... If you haven't been watching or if it hasn't made a whole lot of sense, and there have been a few like social media posts that have kind of made some sense of this, what's been going on is you've got greedy assholes that work on and off Wall Street in their offices um, who have for years, for decades, have been basically 
<laughs> there's, there's no way that they've been running businesses out of business so that they can make a profit. Um, it's called short selling. What they do is if your portfolio has shares of a company, they will borrow your shares from you at whatever amount and they'll sell them knowing that that company stock is going to be lower. Now they don't really know it, but they know it because they'll go in and start making comments about, well, you know, everybody look how everybody's selling off this stock. And they, you know, they've got the, the media, the CNBCs of the world and stuff that are watching it. Like, Oh look, all of a sudden this stock's getting dumped and that lowers the value of the stock. So then they go and buy it back. So they borrowed it from Kenny. They sold it to Brandon for X amount. And then they bought it back from Brandon at a lower amount, gave Kenny his shares back, and then that profit, that's what they keep. They just keep it. In the meantime, businesses with that are seeing their stock shares tank, they can't borrow money. A lot of times they go into bankruptcy. People lose their companies over this kind of shit. Well, so what happened is on Reddit, um, you know, a bunch of people that do some investing and day trading on the, on the side, they get on Reddit, and somebody had noticed that this was happening with GameStop, uh, which, you know, the video game place that, you know, you can go buy your fucking pre-order your Call of Duty and pick it up there. Um, and they noticed not only was this happening, but these hedge fund in, investors, uh, brokers, managers had, had bought up more shares in theory than what even actually existed. So they were overexposed. This was, whole thing was ripe to fucking blow up. They were just, nobody was counting on anybody to catch on because they've been doing this shit all along and nobody's done shit about it. So, so a bunch of folks on Reddit were like, fuck it. If they're selling it at this lower price, let's all go buy it. Because if you'll remember, if they borrowed it from Kenny and sold it to Brandon, they've got to buy it back from Brandon and sell it and give it back to Kenny. Now, in the way they do this is they're making money because they're buying it back at a lower amount. But if I go in now and buy up everything from Brandon that that these other assholes have sold to him, I can just hold on to it. And they've got to come back to me and get it because they are, they are legally required to give it back to Kenny because they borrowed it from him all along. So instead of them going back to Brandon to buy it. Now they got to come to me and I'm not selling it low anymore. I'm jacking the price of that shit way up. And so that's what's been happening. So we've had these guys that are just, they're losing billions with a B billions of dollars on this shit going bankrupt, crying to the government, please bail us out again. they're the same ones that say you know everybody should be invested it doesn't matter how poor you are you can you can skip getting starbucks you can stop getting avocado toast and just save your money and put it in the stock market so that you can retire so that so they can borrow it from you and make money Um, so now people are doing exactly that they're like fuck it then let's go buy this shit up and now they're crying and saying this isn't right they're hurting us because you know i've only got two yachts i'm gonna have to sell one of them and and we're going to have to bankrupt this fund. So anyway, it's funny to watch because it's happening. They're buying up. They're buying up like just a bunch of shit stocks. So they're buying up GameStop because they have been in trouble. They're buying up Nokia, buying up AMC Studios or AMC Theaters, the movie theaters, which is funny because the, the thing that's not been reported a lot is the, kind of the undercurrent to all this. AMC they were able to clear $600 million of debt because they're like, shit, we're sitting on all this stock and all of a sudden it's not worthless. <laughs> so they're turning around dumping that off. They got the cash. They pay off the debt. So AMC, the movie theaters, 
looks like they're going to they were on the verge of bankruptcy because of covid nobody can go to the theaters there's no new movies being released in theaters now they're like fuck it we're free and clear we're going to still be in business when this thing's over so it's just been interesting to watch um we were laughing earlier if yeah if 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 we had known you know throw a hundred bucks in today and walk out with like eight thousand dollars tomorrow um it's a pretty pretty fun to watch uh you know just the average person sticking it to uh sticking it to wall street bankers yeah of course since then things have stopped i mean they've different platforms have been like oh no we're not letting you buy and sell this right now and so you know because people are pissing and moaning people with money are pissing and moaning but um regardless (laughs) it feels like there's going to be some sort of a fallout from this that maybe uh, might change some things hopefully for the better we'll see just because they don't want to fight with those billionaires that are losing their money. Right. You know, who's got to do lawyers tie up courts and hassle them with paperwork and all kinds. They're like, fine, screw it. We'll just, we'll put a cap on it. Like a hundred bucks or something like that. Or I don't remember what it was. Yeah. I think they kept it. Yeah. No shit. Go back like a week. (laughs) Go back a week. Buy AMC, buy GameStop, buy whatever else. Yep. Sit on it. Oh shit! Sit on it, sell it. It's funny because we all think, you know, man, I wish we had gotten in at Microsoft or Apple or something. You know, back in the day, well, fuck, we're watching this happening right now in real time. Like, you don't have to go back in the day. You just got to be paying attention to what these guys are doing because they're doing it right now. Um, So yeah, it's it's interesting to watch. It's it's pretty fun. What other stories have you guys been following this week? What have you guys been watching, paying attention to? Okay, go ahead, Brandon. So uh, I actually have a couple stories. Uh, first oh. one is that the DC animated, a lot of the DC animated series uh, from across time uh, that were previously available on the DC Universe app before it changed to DC Universe Infinite are making their way to HBO Max um, next month. On February 1st, you'll be able to watch Batman, The Brave and the Bold, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited on HBO Max. And then February 15th, you'll be able to start watching The Batman from 2004, Static and Static Shock um, on HBO Max. The other story I have is really, really interesting for someone like me who loves game shows. You guys know Wink Martindale, the old game show host? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he actually has, or at least his team under his name, has an active presence on YouTube where they release these old game show pilots that didn't sell. And some of them are interesting. Some of them are just absolute crap. Um, and so he just, he, his Facebook page put up a post about a day ago saying, uh, I hope you're all enjoying the rare videos and pilots coming from my vault over the past few weeks. I hope they made you smile. Blah, 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 blah. I'd like to offer a challenge. In my vault, I have the rare ABC deal or no deal pilot. It's a totally different format, and I bet you never knew someone else almost hosted deal or no deal in the U.S. before Howie Mandel. I'd love to get the word out What's and get our YouTube. What? Nothing. He was yes. guessing it. I'd who love the to get was. the word <laughs> I'll tell you in a second. I'd love to get the word out and get our YouTube subscriber base up to 18,000. I think we can do it. I know we can. Tell your friends, blah, 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 blah. Let's unlock Wink's vault. And currently, their subscriber base, um, 
is... They have 15 points, uh, 15,700 followers, somewhere around there. So they want to get up to 18,000. So they need about 3,000, less than 3,000 more. And they'll release the rare deal or no deal pilot. They actually recorded six episodes, like four to six episodes of it back in 2004. And the host was a guy named Patrick Keelty, um, who is an Irish TV presenter. He's done some shows in the UK. This would have been his big US debut. He's actually married to Kat Dealey, who you may know as hosting So You Think You Can Dance and other shows here in the US and the UK. Um, so, and there is a short clip of the opening of the show that's circulating, that's been circulating on the internet, but never the full, uh, never a full episode has been released yet. So it'd be really interesting to see. And like there, there were, like it was like dancing models and there was a quiz element and it was just completely different from what ended up being really successful. I think I did see the remake of that on Pornhub as well with the dancing models. <laughs> and then there was actually there was actually a show from the same production company as Deal or No Deal that was more of a quiz show. It was a quiz show, but it had like the Deal or No Deal model element, and they were called the Million Dollar Dancers. It was called Show Me oh, the Money. I have seen that on Florida. with William Shatner <laughs> as host. It was yeah, on he was in that too on yeah. ABC, <laughs> and My. it was bad. Yes, it was. No plot at all to that hey, film. Go hey, ahead, Kenny. Hey, Curtis, are you drinking maple syrup? No, he's drinking the EJ straight from the bottle. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very little tiny sips, but... Uh-huh. And, like, there's a great Letterman Letterman clip that's also on Winks, Winks right. Marndale's channel, where it's uh, literally the rules to show me the money... That's the whole bit. It's the rules to show me a money, show me the money, and it's hilarious. Back right to on. you, Joey. Be checking that out then. We uh, that's just a couple more YouTube subscribers than our channel has. I'll be to be honest <laughs> with you, just a couple more. Curtis, I know you back. You've got a story here that you're uh, excited about being a uh, Nine Inch Nails fan. Tell us a little bit about that. Spoilers. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, early this month, they did a David Bowie celebration just for one day, which what it was what it was called. And it was on his would have been his seventy fourth birthday. It, it was a two day event and two day event and a lot of different <laughs> celebrities. <laughs> two day event. It was on his birthday, but yeah, well, <laughs> just fucking with you. Go ahead. <laughs> just for just for one day, whatever. Um, the just Monday, this past Monday, the Nine Inch Nails performance that they did on that, they it was edited together because they did it all separately, you know, because of COVID and all that. And it was edited together as like a music video. And it is now currently on YouTube via the Rolling Live Studios uh, YouTube page. And you can donate to the Save the Children Foundation. So, yeah, you get to watch this awesome Nine Inch Nails video where they covered David Bowie's fashion, and it's actually a really good cover. It's uh, Trent Reznor, his wife, Mara Queen, Atticus Ross, and a lot of people that worked with Bowie and his band throughout the years, and it's a pretty good cover. So if you feel like donating to a charitable cause, go hit that uh, 
hit that link up, watch the video, donate a little bit of money. There you go. So, I, I really well, dug it when uh, they did that with the Prince concert from like 85. I think it was last year that, that YouTube had the rights. Yeah. They did that where it was like a don't. And I forgot what the cause was for that one. But yeah, it's I kind of dig it when they do that. That's fun. Yeah, that was cool, too. Man, that was like that Prince one was awesome. I couldn't take my eyes off the screen the whole time. I was like, God, man, this is bringing back some great memories. Oh, and it was like, they was only up for like 48 hours. So we just left YouTube running for 48 hours. Just let it run on a loop. And then just you walk yeah. in the room. It's like, oh, this is what we're listening to now. Because that's where they're at in the concert. Well, it just reminded me of like MTV used to do that with like right. Prince or Guns N' Roses. They'd have, you know, their concerts, uh, things that they had taped on there. And just that God, that brought back some good memories. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. I wish there was a channel that still played just like classic MTV channel, which I know that there's like a few different like streaming, like Pluto has a couple of different MTV channels and shit, but none of them play like there needs to be like a, a classic 80s MTV channel that just it's just a 24 7 of classic 80s mtv music videos that would be i would think that would be uh something that would be in demand for people of a certain age i would think yeah vh1 uh, was doing uh, headbangers ball yeah i saw uh, that for, for a while they were doing yep. episode different ones. oh my gosh i was like yes record series <laughs> i want to watch all these again yeah like, no oh, sure. it's so awesome yeah anybody else kenny do you have any stories or uh, the HBO Max thing was one I had, but did you guys see what they're doing uh, for COVID testing? They're <laughs> in the China. Accurate ways yeah. in China <laughs> to do anal swabs. Anal swabs. Anal swabs yeah. are a more accurate yeah. detection method. Yes, for COVID. Yeah. So Dude, we get we get checked <laughs> twice a week at work. There's no way I'm pulling my ass down. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait for the I can't wait for the drive through <laughs> testing. That's gonna be pretty fun. <laughs> you need to <laughs> but yeah i guess they they only go in like three or five centimeters but because three to five three to five inches i'm good with it's okay it's not so much the depth it's the girth that has me concerned <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the swab is the size of a small ham. So yeah, that's my prostate, buddy. It's like one of those pugil sticks they use to practice body. Oh God! No, thank you. Oh Lordy! No. Uh, let's see, Brad. Do you have any stories? I know you've been offline a lot this week. You got anything? Oh, yeah, I've been offline most of the week. The only thing that I saw that, like, made me go, what, was uh, writer-director Richard Kelly, who hasn't done anything in, like, a fucking decade because right. none of his movies make money. He's wanting to do a prequel to Southland Tales, apparently. <laughs> right. And, like, okay, The Rock's a bigger star now, and but that movie still made no fucking money when you put it out. I think the only person that gave money to that movie was me when I bought the DVD. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. Like, there's a demand for this. Somebody bought the DVD. God damn it. <laughs> the, I, I will say this: they did release it on Arrow Blu-ray. It was yeah. the original cans cut plus the theatrical. Yeah. I was confused at first because I thought they were wanting to do a sequel, 
And I was like, how the fuck are you going to do a sequel? The Rock's character died and the world ended. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no one fucking yeah. watched the movie. It's all right. No yeah. Not with that, but The Rock is like 300 <laughs> times bigger than he used to be, too. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it might be a prequel or something. I don't know. Yeah, something. Even still, I don't know that yeah. I care to see it. Thanks, but I, no I thanks. Like, I, that movie is not the greatest, but I still enjoy it. I mean, I don't enjoy little, it enough to want to see another one. It right. was more enjoyable than The Box, which was like his last movie he did, which was yeah, like, which was like terrible. 2008. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that was just a weird like really okay whatever. Box is yeah. with Frank Cameron Diaz right? got nine toes or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And isn't Justin Timberlake also in Southland Tales? Yep, he's the narrator. Everybody. Yeah. Is in Southland Tales. Fucking yeah, <laughs> yeah. shit ton of people. If you look hard enough, you see Janine Garofalo. You only know that she's in the movie because Andy Moore's screaming about cock chuggers. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar is the cock chugger. Uh, there's a bunch of people. I saw a deep. Smith I saw a deep fake of that one on Pornhub. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, Kevin Smith is playing a, a Trump fanatic, more or less. Yeah, is he? <laughs> With no legs. Yeah. So yeah, no thanks. We'll we'll skip that one. Sean William Scott is apparently the new Messiah. I don't fucking know. It's a, it's a weird movie. Amy yeah. Poehler's on it. Well, let us know what you think. Let us know what you think are the top stories each and every week. If we use your suggestion, we'll give you a shout out in an upcoming episode. Send your suggestions to us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for and follow us at PGTC Podcast. Links to all that and more at popgoestheculture.com. We're going to give away a pair of Retrofied Magazine issue number one digital download codes. We gave away one last week. We're going to give away our last couple this week. So we asked on social media, uh, the question was, uh, you know, with Seth MacFarlane rumored to be looking to reboot the Naked Gun movies with Liam Neeson in the role of Frank Drebin, we wanted to know what other movies you would like to see rebooted. We got a bunch of comments, a lot of good ideas. We randomly did a random number generator, assigned numbers. Everybody did a random number generator pick. Here are the two winning suggestions, and they're not bad suggestions. It's just made more sense to do it randomly because there were a lot of good ones there. First up, our first winner is from Twitter. Uh, this is submitted by Keith Adams Jr. at Big Brother 1988 on Twitter. He says. I always wanted to see a modern take on real genius, not some Big Bang Theory copycat that they're planning to do in the form of a TV show, but a modern interpretation that, unlike Big Bang Theory, is actually funny. So that is our first winner, Keith Adams Jr. on Twitter. Our second winner comes from Facebook. This was submitted by Ben Atwood over on Facebook. He said, Reboot Escape from New York with Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son in the starring role. Interesting that we have some folks listening to the show, clearly, because we have the Val Kilmer movie, Real Genius, and then we've got uh, Kurt Russell's film, Escape from New York. So we would like to thank both of them for listening to the podcast. Yeah, for both of them for listening to the podcast over the last month, because I think we've hit both of those both of those in a, in a conversation at some point back. So we will send these digital download codes to you winners. Be sure to check out Retrofied Magazine's premiere issue at retrofiedmag.com. Thanks to everybody who commented. 
On that note, we're going to take a quick break. Coming up, we are talking with Steve Orlando about comics, about this weekend's Royal Rumble Wrestling main event, taking a look at what's coming up in the next week in entertainment and pop culture and more. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. Hello, friends. My name is Jason A. Meiske. I'm a thriller author and the host of the Sample Chapter Podcast. I'd like to invite you to join me each week as I introduce you to authors from all over the world. Together we have a nice little chat before the guest author reads a sample chapter from one of their books. There's been sci-fi, westerns, romance, horror, thrillers, and even the weird. There's names you don't know and for sure several that you do. And with over 100 episodes so far, you're sure to find a new favorite book. So come on over and join us every Tuesday on the Sample Chapter Podcast. All right, here are the results from this week's pop quiz, our pop quiz question. We did a battle of the bands last week, and we asked after we all discussed it and took our votes on on the topic, which is the better album? And here is the result. In second place, with 32% of the votes, about a third of the people who voted, voted for Led Zeppelin II, which Dakota repped for us last week on the show. And in first place, with about two-thirds of the vote, 68% of the vote, was Thank L.A. Woman by the Doors <laughs> that Curtis was repping. They are surprising. I went back, I I went back and listened to the show, and I was like, son of a bitch, I should have <laughs> been on there. <laughs> I was sitting there, I was watching the thing, and I was like, no, blah, 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 blah. I was like, come like, on, Dakota, what the fuck? Like, yeah, the Dakota. Moment, it came up tied. It was like, something's not right here. Can I change a vote for Led Zeppelin? Like, Led Zeppelin should have been the obvious winner. Yeah. It should have been, yeah. but it, look, it was I came, not. I came prepared. I needed to come prepared. Curtis did do some homework. <laughs> Curtis did look up some Wikipedia articles before he sat down. <laughs> Wikipedia and articles. Okay, there you go. Well, the thanks Dakota to everybody. Just like, Fuck, it's Led Zeppelin. Yeah, exactly. My he favorite was... part was like, was like yeah, this arguing. song is yeah. great. This is, you know, Robert Plant. Yeah, it was salt stolen as well, but that's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that was his argument for every song. Like, yeah, they got sued for this one too. Yeah, but <laughs> it was it was out of our hands. It was tied when we left it uh, with our conversations, and so we asked it online, the poll, the pop quiz. And uh, we had an overwhelming winner. So thanks to everyone who voted. Uh, We will have another pop quiz for you a little bit later on the show, along with where you can vote in that online poll. Well, this week, uh, it's Royal Rumble weekend, uh, which if you're a wrestling fan, it's the first real event of the new year. It is... uh, it's the start of the road to WrestleMania. It's just a lot of fun. It's a big gimmick match. It's just goofy, fun shit. Uh, and so, you know, I've been a fan of Steve's work as a comic book writer for years, about five, six years now. Um, 
and, but he's just as big a dork about wrestling as some of the rest of us are. So I reached out to Steve and said, hey, do you mind uh, – you know, coming on talking about wrestling, I said if you can, if we let's just let's schedule thirty minutes. You know, maybe we can get thirty minutes worth of conversation in. It's like, yeah, we'll see. Um, and so uh, we have about an hour long conversation, uh, Steve and I did. So uh, the next, basically, the next, the rest of the show, almost uh, the next hour or so, uh, is Steve and I chitting, just chit chatting a little bit about wrestling, a little bit about comics. He, like I said, he does a good job of kind of tying them together in a way that um, that I wasn't expecting, to be honest. And I think that it requires his perspective to be able to kind of see how these things really do fit together. So it was a lot of fun. Um, we're going to give you that interview coming up right now. So take a listen and enjoy this conversation with Steve Orlando. Well, thanks, first of all, Steve, for joining me today. Um, I want to let everyone know who's listening why I invited you to chat this week in particular, because I know we have listeners who are wondering what they missed in the comics news world and we will talk comics but that's not why i asked you here every month we at pop goes the culture host a wwe watch party online and while we're watching the show and interacting in the chat with our fans we also monitor twitter for live reactions and yours are consistently among the most spot on um, so with the royal rumble coming up this sunday it's the first big event of the year it's setting up the road to wrestlemania i wanted to get your thoughts on the rumble match itself other matches on the card your thoughts on the state of the product as it is currently, what you hope to see heading into Mania, just whatever we, we want to talk about as it uh, pertains to the Royal Rumble coming up this week. And like I said, we we will talk a little bit of comics as well. But first of all, um, give us the bona fides. How did you become a wrestling fan? Have you always been a wrestling fan, uh, specifically a WWE fan, or do you just do you like the, the wrestling in general? Kind of Kind of set it up for us. Take us back. Yeah, I mean, I haven't always been a fan. Uh, I was when I was a kid, um, you know, up until like, I don't even know when I stopped, you know, it's hard to put a year in it. It was probably right as, I don't think, uh, probably right before Stone Cold uh, tried his aborted heel run in, in the early 2000s. Um, okay. And I don't even know why I stopped, you know, it just sort of, I just sort of didn't care anymore. And I, I don't even... It, but then again, I also remember Kerwin White on the topic of terrible gimmicks. So like that might have been a little after. I think I was in and out for a while. But suffice to say, like end of high school and into college, I I, I was out. Um, and then I was, but I was never out of comics. And this is connected uh, because I have been trying to break into comics since I was twelve, and I kept, you know, I kept on until I finally did get in. And along the way with that, part of uh, going to San Diego Comic-Con every year for 20-plus years, uh, not this year, RIP, but um, was that I met this guy, Mike Kingston, who does a comic book called Headlocked, which is sort of like, he describes it as an HBO-style drama about the behind-the-scenes business of the, of the wrestling industry. Uh, and so I got to know Mike for like in comics. We're actually both from, we grew up in towns next to each other in Syracuse. We went to the same college and then we both moved to Albany and we had to go to San Diego to meet, but then we had a lot more in common than I thought, uh, once we met. And I would kind of like an asshole always like, Oh, what's this guy up to these days? You know, because Mike, uh, you know, Jerry Lawler paints the covers the headlock. Mike mm -hmm. knows everyone. And, you know, we did that for a little while um, and like, oh, is that guy still alive? You know, you know, me being a jackass. And then it came around to 20, well, 2015, 2014, Sting came to WWE and he was always my guy because I was more of a WCW guy back in the day. So I think me getting out is really when they died. 
Um, I did watch the E as well, but I mean, like being a comics guy, I got into wrestling for Sting. uh, And then I went to the E for Kane. Um, You're seeing a continuity of of gimmick here. Right. Uh, And and then when WCW died, I think I I was kind of out. And to be clear, like that doesn't mean it was good in early 2000. I was just, you know, much like a comic figure. I needed the whole set. So I stuck with it. But then when he was back, and I didn't follow him to TNA because that shit was just terrible back then. So um, when I heard he was coming back, I was like, yeah, I I thought about watching it and it was almost fake because I still didn't watch it. Um, But then when I was at um, Seattle Comic-Con, it happened to fall on WrestleMania weekend, Emerald City Comic-Con, whatever year that was, 2015 at this point. And in the fucking lobby of my hotel, it was on. And by complete chance, it was Sting and Triple H. And so I was like sitting here before going or before going out for the night. And I like, it just happened. I was watching, that was my boy. You know, he had like the tribal drums and stuff. He still, despite being 56 years old, still looked great. Right. Um, and I was, I was, I, it was enough for me to watch and then just sort of ease back in. And around that time, I started as well going to uh, local wrestling shows with uh, the headlock guy, Mike Kingston, because he not only would sell at Comic-Cons, but also do like 20 to 30 wrestling shows a year and set up and sell his books as well. So I both started watching the E, which is like the most, you know, glitzy, uh, overdone, overproduced product in the world. And then I would be going to like the stereotypical bingo halls and YMCA's and watching guys hit themselves in the face for 20 bucks a night. And what really struck me, honestly, was not necessarily like, I mean, I'm not on this podcast to be like a, it's still real to me type guy, not in any way. And I did actually, actually the first show ever, I remember meeting my first guy that it was still real for. And I just like, you know, we had like, he came up to the, he came up to the Mike's booth and Mike had Prince of Page and Steen because he, he's friend, he knows both of those guys. And I, this guy just comes up, he's like, Page, I'd fuck her face, man. <laughs> Kevin Steen, what a fucking piece of shit. Owens, what a piece of shit. Fuck that guy. And walked away. And I was just like, this motherfucker. Like, it, <laughs> he doesn't know. It. So, like, <laughs> it was fascinating to me. Um, and that coupled with just how hard the and how passionate these folks were. I'm talking these people in Troy, New York, where I used by where I used to live. Uh, doing something that they love for very little money. You know, when I found that they were probably getting paid 20 to 50 bucks for that night, um, it reminded me of comics. You know, we don't get punched in the face, but I had spent at that time 20 plus years pursuing a career and a passion that most people told me, A, told me to quit. I should, you know, it could never be your job. And B, uh, half the people don't think it's a real job. So I, you know, I instantly, uh, had a had an empathy for for what these workers were going through and the show business aspect and the performance aspect became very appealing to me um it's probably half the reason i like promos and interests more than in-ring work although i do like if there's good storytelling in the ring i get very excited as well so that's how it really happened like i the the spark was just happening to see sting and triple h and and then of course like any wwe fan being indignant that sting fucking lost uh and, and shook his hand after getting hit in the face with a sledgehammer so i was like oh so storytelling isn't important to these people <laughs> um but it was really going to going to indie shows and and seeing seeing the grassroots level you know the, the, it was like the version of when i was coming to san diego comic-con with ash cans you know that i was printing at kinko's right. and i had such respect for that 
because uh, it takes a lot of passion and a lot of drive to do something that honestly, like a lot of people in everyday life think is a joke or don't think is a job or like think they can poke fun at. But, you know, um, they, the, the love and the passion of doing it and connecting with the live crowd was there so much. Uh, and, and my interest just sort of escalated from there. Right on. Well, let's talk about the Rumble match itself as a gimmick. Is this, does the Rumble get you excited at all? I, I know some people say it's just punches and chops in the corners, buying time until whoever hits the ring to clear it out. But for me Who growing up, that, the, there are a few folks, but for me growing up, the Rumble was like the gimmick match. Like, you know, the, that's the one that every year I, you always got the Rumble and you always got WrestleMania because I don't know. I think for me that f- the first Rumble match I remember was the match with Hogan and the Warrior that, you know, they're doing the crisscross and all that. And to me, that was like, oh my, oh my God, this is, this is what they do in January. Um, but I know it's not everybody's thing. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about the rumble itself. Is this something that you get excited for every year when, you know, the, we turn the calendar page and it's January or is it just another gimmick on the way to WrestleMania for you? No, I'm excited about it. I mean, with a, with a heavy caveat, but I do think it's probably the greatest gimmick match in history um, mm-hmm. as an idea. And that's what the caveat is. Cause I, as, as I watch it every year and I do get super excited but like everything else with the E, I think because there was only one guy has basically been been uh, writing it. And I don't want to say booking it because Pat Patterson uh, was still mm-hmm. basically booking it up until he died on some level, which is amazing. Like, so so I'm, I love it as a fan. It's a, the, the surprise entrances, the surprises, uh, the, the, the the surprise win when it does happen. From a creative standpoint, the the booking of it I find very intimidating. So even if it's bad, uh, I'm still impressed. Like when I think about, it, I'm going to sit down and we're going to plan out this hour long match with 30 to 40, and in some cases, when they sell their soul, 50 people. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine. Like from a, from a production and a creative standpoint, like I will always respect the match because I can't imagine putting it together. Um, but at the same time, I feel like it's gotten stale. Uh, so, so I shouldn't even say that. It's still super exciting to be aspects of it. You know, like I don't need an announcer to ever be like this biggest guy. He's definitely going to win. Like the big guy never fucking wins friends. There's 30 plus of them, you know, big shows never going to fucking win. Uh, you know, so like there are certain things, but it's mostly the trappings. I wish they would freshen up because yeah, it is always surprising. Uh, the, the, the time limits are not so long that you get bored. Uh, so, I mean, I, I do love it. And then when you, when you have a great moment, I mean, I've, I mean, as a, I was genuinely shocked, uh, when, when Nakamura won, uh, for example, because mm-hmm. to be honest, like the real booking there is that WWE's never believed in a Japanese star before. So I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. And then they fucked it up later, but still his win was great. You know, put especially having him beat Roman, the guy that everybody thought, obviously at the time was going to win great and i and i was genuinely excited for it. it's probably the most excited i've been for watching a work sport ever mm-hmm. you know and that's when that's how wrestling should be like we all know it's a work and we all know that it's it's scripted but i mean you still cheer at the end of fucking end game and that's scripted too so like if, if people actually got creative and and really give you a thrill and a surprise they can still be extremely exciting so i do like it and i love it every year but they could refresh the trappings a little bit and i'm really just talking about the way announcers talk uh you know like the way they talk about numbers like 
for example, uh, it's the trappings. Uh, like we know that the big guy's not going to fucking win. So we just right. need to, you know, like Jerry Lawler, love you, Jerry. Uh, but, you know, in kayfabe, he's never going to pick the fucking winner, you know? Yeah. It's just, you know, so like, but that, those are my issues. But for, I do think it's probably the greatest gimmick match ever. I'm always impressed from a logistical standpoint that it goes off largely without a hitch. And then when it doesn't go off without a hitch, you get things like Vince blowing out his quads, which is one of the most funniest things I've ever <laughs> fucking seen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that and War Games are probably, in my opinion, my, my two favorite gimmick matches. Um, I think War Games is genius. I mean, of course it is. Dusty came up with it. Uh, and I mean, of course the rumble is great. Pat Patterson has had one of the greatest minds for wrestling ever. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I love them both after that, probably elimination chamber, but that's really just like, they didn't want to call it war games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, we only have one ring. So, you know, we're just going to call it elimination chamber, but, but, uh, no, but, but I love it. And again, like when there's a crowd, some of those, you get some like that's a, the surprise return is hard to beat. Uh, you know, I was lucky. I miss a lot. You know, I wasn't there for like Cena coming back after, after what was supposed to be eight months, but it was only four months or whatever. Right. But I was there for AJ coming out and people losing their minds. And I was obviously there for Edge coming back, uh, mm -hmm. people losing their minds. Um, and I, I, what I want from it is more the unexpected. Like it can't happen every year, but I liked the, the year a lot. I can't even, I'm not that deep into it that I can tell you what it is, but the year where the last two were, was Taker and Michaels. And they basically just had a full wrestling match after. Right. Uh, and that was unexpected. You know, you assumed it was going to be some fucking schmoz thing. And like, he was going to fall over the rope or something or try to do old school. I remember back when that was called walk on the dark side uh and and get pushed off or something but no like they really delivered so um for that reason actually i kind of like the structure of last year's with brock just killing everyone right uh and then getting fucked just in time for the guy that eventually beat him to come in and kill the other half yep um those like there are so the funny thing is like for all the times it kind of doesn't land sometimes the most organic moments which are probably unscripted honestly like um are still things you remember you know like i i i have the gif on my computer and always will of brock when keith lee comes in going oh big boy who's this motherfucker <laughs> yeah. like it's it's it you find great moments in that and i think that's because of the chaos and because so much is going on and you get so many interactions that you don't always get so um I love it. And yeah, I do wish that they, the only, the only critiques I ever have is that they could freshen up sort of uh, the things around it. And there could always be less like ridiculous bullshit. Like, Oh, like I, you know, I, I mean, only Kobe Kingston should be able to get these ridiculous technicality wins and, and Naomi to me, like everyone else has to like, you know, like there's none of this, like, Oh, I walked on my fucking fingers around or like yeah. I surfed, I, I surfed a chair around and, and, and now I'm back in the ring. Like, okay, that, that works for two people who are super athletes, but at the end of the day, like if you're out, you're out. Yeah, you know? very much so. Yeah. Especially if you're a face, by the way, especially if you're a face, like, yeah, I'm never going to be angry that Ric Flair hides under the ring because he's right. Ric Flair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit about the card for this year's, and, and there's not a, as of today, when we're recording this and we're, we've got raw behind us for this week leading up to it, but there's only like a few matches announced for this, which I, maybe that's a good thing. If you're doing two Royal rumble matches, you don't need a whole lot of other stuff going on. Uh, but we've got a, a men's match and a women's match from each brand. We've got a raw and SmackDown. So let's kind of talk about those a little bit. Then we'll get into, uh, thoughts about the rumble itself. But the first match, uh, that we'll talk about, we've got 
we've got Drew McIntyre and Goldberg. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on Goldberg at whatever? He's in. He's got to be in his sixties now, right? He's, he's at least in. Oh, his no, he's like he's like fifty three or fifty four. Oh, really? I, I was thinking um, he was much older. He was, than that. he was forty nine when he came back to in twenty sixteen. Okay. Wow, I had him uh, much older for some reason. But we've got him taking on Drew McIntyre. Is this anything that you're excited about after the last attempt to bring Goldberg back out and the the flubs um, he I'm had with the Undertaker? About it. Go ahead. Well, I mean, first of all, in my opinion, I think that if they work – okay, so he should never work Undertaker because they're both old. I don't really mind like one old guy you know, because if you have someone you can work with. But that said, every time you bring Goldberg back, he's kind of devalued. It's like um, Brock beating him meant something. Undertaker beating him meant nothing. And so in my opinion, like they can do this match um, – Story, the storytelling is nonsense, but they can do this match. But at best, it should be like his Mania match with Brock. They went four minutes. It was all power, and then he's dead. And if he can't do that, he should eat a Claymore and die in a minute. You know, like, and that should just be yeah. it. You know, because and and then you've made your statement. Um, and that's you know that that goes for a lot of these things. Like, I think you can. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, like Goldberg is working heel in this match. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been healed since he beat Kevin Owens. If you want to go all the way back, like people were excited for him and Brock because they were two guys in an untouchable tier, but no one wants to see an old legend come back and eat someone who's on the up and up. Right. Um, I mean, if I were booking Owens and Goldberg, if you want to go back, like fuck it, you could have had Kevin roll out of the ring, take a count out and just piss him the fuck off. And then he would have been, had nuclear heat, you know, yep. but no, he just had to get beat. Um, so I'm not like, I'm, I'm almost never angry that a match is happening because there's always a way to, to end it. Well, do I think that'll happen? No, I, I think that Drew is probably going to win, but it's going to be way longer than it should be. Um, and, and that is what it is. But on the, on the whole, I'm not angry about it. It would have worked a lot better if, if it was with Roman, you know, um, but I mean, that's all, it's all in hindsight. I mean, almost everything that happened to Roman since he beat Undertaker would have been better if that was his heel turn, you know? Right. Um, I mean, just imagine if rather than the bullshit they did, he like went five minutes, couldn't beat him. And then he just fucking murdered him with a chair and walked out and like, he'd be the, he'd be, he'd be good forever as a villain. Yeah, exactly. So, that I think that yeah, I mean Drew has to win, and it could be entertaining. Like if, if Bill gasses up, but it can't be longer than like five minutes. Um, but it's not impossible that it'll be entertaining. I guess is what I would say. What are the odds this ends with Goldberg going for a spear and catching the Claymore in in the spear in the rush? Nearly impossible because I don't think he's good enough to sell that. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's true. I mean. That's how I always wanted to book Roman and Nakamura. Like Roman would just try to spear him and he would fucking bomaye him in the face. But I don't know how you sell that without killing him. Um, I mean, okay, I'm lying though, because from the right angle, realistically, like Drew could just claymore his shoulder and he could fall over. But like Bill has never been good at selling. No. So, (laughs) you know. 
you know, they, they've been leaning heavy into the fact that none of this is live and they can pre-record whatever they want and shoot, shoot it two or three times to get it right. They've since WrestleMania, they've really, and especially lately with the stuff they're doing with Alexa bliss, they've really been playing with the, Hey, this isn't live. We're not constrained with live television. So there, there may be a way that gets edited possibly. I don't know. We'll see. Like you said, it, it hopefully will be short and entertaining. Um, I mean, I still love Goldberg's entrance. I just like, oh, yeah. I've never had, listen, I've, and I'll be honest, like, you know, I guess, you know, come at me in the comments folks, but like <laughs> I was, I loved when he came back as like the world's most powerful Jew in 2016, <laughs> uh, as, as a Jewish person myself. And I was in the Goldberg, like I went home recently, well, before the pandemic, so I guess two years ago. And I found like a signed picture of Goldberg. I was apparently in the Goldberg fan club when he was in WCW it's, and it's framed in my house. Like he's the world's most powerful Jew. But I I don't want to see him anymore, you know, as anything other than if he wants to come back and murder some flop mid-carder like he did with, with Dolph, fine. But, like, he went from, like, I was like, it's just been such a 180 for me. Because, like, when he came back at 49, every, it was I, I thought the work wasn't what, the work wasn't the best. But as a character, that was the best he'd ever been. You know, it was something you could root for. He had something left in the tank. He wanted his kid to see, you know, his kid had never seen him be Goldberg. How could you not root for that guy? Yeah. Um, and then as usual, like within four months, they fucked that whole thing up. And now I'm just like, dude, like, I don't want to see you here. You know, nobody, I mean, nobody really wants to see him beat Drew McIntyre. Nobody, um, nobody wants to see him win and nobody really wants to see him lose either. It's There's a no, there's no, now I think it, Knowing that, I mean, I do want to see him lose now, but I guess that's just like, if you, to, the, the minute he didn't want to lose to Bray because of his image, I was like, okay, you're a heel forever now, my friend. Like, I mean, but that's, that's 2020 heat or 2021 heat. I'm like, oh, I saw you were an asshole in real life. That's like Brock Lesnar heat. Like, I know he's a chode yeah. in real life. So I just wanted, I got into UFC to see Mark, uh, what the fuck was his name? Um, we'll see him lose uh, at UFC 200. Of course he didn't. Right. Uh, but he was he was also cheating um but uh you know like it i feel like <laughs> it, heel heat is so dynamic in 20 and in, in the modern internet age like you know you get you just like you find out someone is an asshole in, in real life and that's just you know i mean i feel like jericho will always on some <laughs> level get heel heat for having a fucking fozzy concert during the pandemic no matter what <laughs> yeah Absolutely. Uh, that, to me, like I, I would like if that met for me after knowing that you know Bill's nonsense. Like I would be glad if he just went for the spear at the bell and fucking took a claymore, and that was it. Yeah, that'd be, be all right. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the women's matchup. We have the women's uh, Raw tag titles being defended: Charlotte Flair and Oscar versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. I feel like, oh boy, I don't know. I feel like at some point Oscar's got to drop a belt. I mean, they've got to start putting gold on other women wrestlers on Raw. I, I would think. Um, so whether it's the tag title or whether it's the the world title later, uh, but uh, talk about this one a little bit because this one feels like it feels like Charlotte Flair is in the wrong spot. She should be on Friday nights, kind of trying to get those Fox ratings. It feels like Oscar's constantly been the one thing that Raw can lean on as far as work um, in the ring. Uh, just, just kind of talk us through this and what do you, th- what do you think happens here? What are you looking forward to in this match? Um, I mean, it's so tough. It's a tough match. Uh, because yeah, like they both like 
it's a weird thing with Asuka because they seem to not want to shit her get off. They, they, they don't want to shit her get off the pot, right, with her because, mm-hmm. like, she's great. She's probably one yeah. of the best women wrestlers they've ever had. And at the same time, uh, like, they never really want to – they never really want to put her on top. Like, she's the champion – but uh, you know, we all know she'd lose to Charlotte again if if they if you know if they had that feud, and I mean I don't and also like I, I, that said I want them to lose the tag titles because it's embarrassing that they have so few ideas that they just put those on their existing champion. Yeah, uh, Charlotte. It I mean Charlotte barely barely has a character now. Uh, her fucking feud with Lacey Evans is. <laughs> Some fucking bull. I, I, I mean, I can't even talk about that. Like, um, so like, I just want better for everyone in there. Uh, to be honest, specifically in my case, Shayna. Uh, mm-hmm. I love Shayna and NXT. I think she's what Ronda Rousey should have been. Like, she's not fucking nice. She's not trying to like teach kids to take their vitamins. She <laughs> right. just puts on a leather jacket and beats the shit out of you. Uh, you know, like she, she should, and yet again, like the ability to overthink things, like she doesn't have to be a fucking cannibal folks. She doesn't need to be eating <laughs> Becky's neck. Uh, she should just be breaking it. Like it, it's unreal to me. And Shayna's even, I mean, she is a good promo. Um, I, I want her to, I mean, what I want is for her and Nia to break up Nia to think that she can dominate and just get clowned because realistically, like to me, the real effective monster heel uh, of the women's division is Shayna, not Nia, because at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, again, like talk about 2021 heat. We know that Nia is dangerous and will just hurt you. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't think about Nia to me is more about the presentation. She doesn't dress intimidating. She dresses like a cosplayer. She, you know, she dresses yeah. like she is a, is a space warrior and asking, you know, and it, she doesn't look like someone who will hurt you uh, with the like shoulder pads and things, but that's all just in the gear they make her wear. Um, yeah. So like Shayna should come out of this well. Um, and honestly, I, I wouldn't be sad. I wouldn't be sad if Asuka lost the, the belt, the, the women's title too. And that's not because I think she doesn't deserve another shot, but um, she, I mean, you know, they're going to push her again. Like they will mm-hmm. always keep her as the, in, in the, in the B to B plus spot until yep. she's not in that company. Like they, she's not going down the card. Um, so I'm not really worried about that, but I'm not specifically excited for that match just because they just they got a lot of talent that they don't know what to do with. And I'm I'm not confident. I mean, I'm not confident that they'll ever push Shayna like they should on this card for reasons that are, you know, uh, you know, Vince is an idiot. He probably looks at her and is like, oh well, she's not hot. No, but you know, like and it's like, okay, she doesn't have to be hot, you fucking it penis. Like, <laughs> like she's she's very good at wrestling. Um, she has shoot cred. Um, and is, the, is there anything more intimidating? The fact that she comes to the ring with a mouthpiece too. It's like, she came to fight, you know, she, she didn't come to prance around and shake her ass. She came to hurt somebody. So yeah, I mean, she had Goldberg entrance in NXT. You would follow her loosening up through the locker room. She had the yeah. fucking horse. I, I love her music. The whole thing was good. And honestly, like, all they would have to do to reset her is have her kill Shane or Naya if they broke mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe throw Tamina in there. Nobody's meaner. Simon Miller. Hello. <laughs> but uh, like it is, uh, it, it's just wild to me. So like I'm excited for it because there's a lot of talent in that ring, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to be some sensational piece of storytelling. And at the minimum, I don't think there's anyone in there that Naya is going to hurt. 
So I guess that's yeah. a win. <laughs> yeah. If everybody walks out healthy. Uh, let's talk about the SmackDown well, I side. Say that too, I should say that too before we move on. I don't yeah. blame Nia for that. They should be right. training her better. Like that is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if they want to push her and they clearly do, then they should be doing the work. If they can send fucking Keith Lee back to the PC to get better at wrestling, which I think is ludicrous personally, but whatever, <laughs> then, they can, then they can send her back. Like this is, it's a failure, I think. It's a failure of the company that she's hurting people more than her. Um, You know, I don't think she intends to. um, So they should be doing what they can to make sure it doesn't happen. I agree. Well, let's talk about the SmackDown side of things. We've got Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens in a last man standing match, um, which, you know, we've got two Rumble matches. So there's two hours. This thing could go a legit 30 minutes depending on how the time's running on this on the pay-per-view uh what are your thoughts on roman reigns and kevin owens um listen i think they're both incredible right now um what i have been said like i'm hoping to be surprised by it i guess is my answer uh i don't think i necessarily needed a third roman and kevin match because he hasn't fucking won any of them so it just it just kind of it just kind of like again when you think about you know, in the world, in the world of storyline, wrestling is real. It's not real in real life. And like Kevin Owens just seems like an idiot. Like if you got your ass kicked two times, you wouldn't go back for a third time. Uh, it feels like he knows wrestling is a work. Um, so, I mean, I love his work in general. I think he can make almost anything good. So I, I hope it's a good match. And then I hope we move on. Like, I probably would have done a build from that gauntlet. I'm mean, for me, like I just would have had Nakamura win that gauntlet, build him up, have them have a great match of the Rumble, have him lose. You know, he can mm-hmm. still, I mean, Roman is a heel, so he can still look good, look strong losing to him. They did it with Drew, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I hope that it's great. Like, and it could be great. You know, Roman, I don't personally think he's ever been a bad worker. The faults of him when he was getting booed, again, were on them and the way they were writing him and the way that he's being presented. So... Uh, he's most things that he touches are great now. Um, and I think it could be a great match. I think that he should absolutely kill KO. Uh, and then that should really be that with yeah. them. And then yeah. I give, give Owen something he could win for mania. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Let's talk about the women's match, women's championship match. Uh, we have Sasha Banks and Carmella, um, thoughts on this one. This one will be fun to watch. I think. I think so, but I gotta be honest, like, it's telling to me that I couldn't even tell you who Sasha was working until you said it. All I could think about was <laughs> Bailey and Bianca. Mm-hmm. Um, the better match. So, yeah. I, so, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure it'll be entertaining. And Carmel's a great character. I've never really loved her ring work, but she yeah. is great. She's great as a character. Um, and she's actually kind of a nice dark mirror for Sasha. So I like those dynamics, but I'm much more interested in Bianca and Bailey. Um, I mean, I think Bianca is a, is, could, is a future top star for them. Um, mm-hmm. She can do superhuman things. She has great charisma. Um, I mean, watching her carry fucking Otis last week <laughs> was shocking. Um, and yeah, fireman's carry is not the hardest way to carry someone, but still. <laughs> but it's still uh, Otis, yeah. So like... I'm very excited for that. I think that Sasha and Carmella will be fine. I guess that get that. I guess that's my answer. Okay. Uh, you know, like I, I don't know. I just uh, 
Again, like that's it's a similar thing with the kill. Like why when Carmella has lost one to two times, why did she get a third shot? But yeah. I think once they get the ring, yeah, it'll be entertaining to watch. Okay. Well, let's talk about the two Rumble matches themselves. What are you, I'm not going to ask you to prognosticate and make any wild predictions about who returns and you know, all that, but what are you hoping to see out of the, let's start with the women's Rumble match. What are you hoping uh, to see take place in the ring? What are you hoping gets set up for Mania? Is there, is there any way this is anything but Alexa Bliss, the lights going out, her changing care. Maybe, maybe she pulls a Mick Foley and, and is maybe she's the goddess, and then she's you know I don't, who knows what they're thinking at this point. Yeah, um, I don't. I, well, I'll be honest. I don't think Alexa needs the Rumble win. Yeah. Uh, she is already a top tier character based on her character work as it is. Uh, she fiend Alexa. I'll say this in general. Um, I think they're, they do incredible character work, but they're like Undertaker. The, the, the feud doesn't need the belt. Mm-hmm. It almost doesn't make sense why they care about the belt. Um, and I don't think she needs the, the rumble win. It would be great for her. I mean, in, in general, because who doesn't as, you know, a worker want to go to WWE and win the rumble, but right. fiend and Alexa don't, don't need that. Uh, they, any feud they're in seems elevated because they're right now on a creative high, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, what do I want? I mean, I want Bianca to win. Uh, I mean, if not Bianca, Shayna, but I think that her time was last year. They got to do some, some work there. No, I want Bianca to win. I want her to, I want her to, I want her to go in and, uh, I mean, I guess she'd have to, she'd have to, yeah, I want her to work against heel Sasha. I mean, have Sasha become indignant and pissed off and entitled uh and and to me that's that's my pick for that i just think that she's on the rise um and you know i love you know i i love in real sports you can always have upsets and i feel like that never happens in pro wrestling and like i you listen i was happy when drew won last year but I've always wanted an underdog story out of the rumble. And that's not even, that's not even Bianca. That's more like, what if someone I can't even fucking think of wins and they just go on a streak to mania and it's basically Rudy, right? you know, and maybe they don't win, but, um, again, like things, flukes happen, upsets happen and they rarely happen. Not never, but they rarely happen in, in, well, in pro wrestling in general. I'm not going to say in WWE. So, yeah, I would like Bianca to win, but I'd also like someone I would never expect to win uh, if they're going to commit to telling that story for the next two months and making it huge. Okay. And how about and on the men's side? Get this out of the way, Big uh, yeah. B on the men's side. Big, okay. Uh, so we're, we're, I think we're all in agreement there. I don't know anybody that's saying anything but Big E on the men's side. So that's, Big that's E is fantastic. a fucking pressure. Like, yeah. he, he is... To me, I mean, and if not, like, I mean, he's great in the ring. He can do anything. As a character, he can sell anything. Like, I mean, the story of New Day is it's almost like they were trying to see. It's like when they put Dusty in the fucking polka dots. And he's <laughs> exactly. Like, oh. Yeah. No, they're like, hey, guys, now your gimmick is pancakes. Have fun. And they're like, <laughs> watch this. Now we're going to sell a million fucking pancakes. <laughs> it's booty and so, and I feel the same way with him as a single star, you know, like now his character is, oh, you think he's that goofy guy, but he'll just pick you up and throw you and, and you're dead. Um, I love that they gave him the chalk back because I'm a lot about presentation. Mm-hmm. 
and he just seems like a real and the thing too is because that he because they've let him have a sense of humor uh also on social media have a sense of humor because he and also to me like because he's not quiet about things like blm like he seems like a real person yeah. you know he, he seems like the best characters are always like you turned up to 11 and it seems like you're just getting who he is which is an intimidating but affable guy uh, who wants to win. And like, that's someone I want to root for, especially against Roman, who yeah. is like the exact opposite of that. Yeah. He's the feel good story against one of the best heels they have currently. So yeah, I, I think everybody's on board with Biggie, uh, hopefully coming out of this one. Well, let's, let's talk comics for a minute, a little bit of a pivot. Um, the first time I remember seeing your name was on Midnighter, which was fantastic, but I know some of our listeners, didn't catch you that early in your career. Some people are, recognize you from Wonder Woman or the Martian Manhunter series you just did. Um, but let's talk a little bit about 2020. Um, it was a rough year for everybody in general, but the comics industry was just weird in 2020. Um, I know the back half of 2020, the start of 2021 has brought and will continue to bring change for you as well. Um, and I know you have a very particular and unique position and, and perspective on a lot of this. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about how you are looking at this industry right now. Cause I, I know other people, um, you know, everybody's working, everybody's doing the work and plugging along, but, um, but I know that some people are, you know, it's just, I keep my head down and I just keep moving and others are kind of stepping and looking around at the landscape and saying, Ooh, boy, this is tough. Um, what's kind of your take on the industry right now as we, as we head into 2021? Well, I mean, yeah, there, we are in a period of irrevocable change, uh, as an industry, but it's also a change that was long needed, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, it was, Shocking even to me uh, when uh, lockdown started to see that the monopolistic direct market distributor, despite having a chokehold on all comics distribution in the direct market, apparently only had enough operating capital to go seven days but without shutting down. Uh, so I, I pride myself on kind of expecting things to be uh, preparing for the worst, but even I was surprised that it, it took less than... Uh, less time than it takes for cold sores to go away, uh, you know, for, for diamond to be like, Oh, we're kind of fucked guys. So like, clearly we had work to do and it had to happen. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's been painful in a lot of ways and not everyone is happy and I'm not happy with everything, but this is change that need to happen, needed to happen. Uh, a lack of reliance on one distributor had to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, and that is not to say that diamond isn't important. Uh, but there is not an industry that exists that thrives on a near monopoly. So I'm not talking out of school here. Um, and it should encourage them to get better and their competition to get better. Um, uh, so, and at the same time, like every publisher dealt with it differently. Uh, you see a change in the way that DC is releasing their stories now. And honestly, that's very exciting to me. Everything that, you know, coming out now is exciting. Uh, there was a period of tumult, sure. Um, but you have, you know, these slightly more expensive books that DC is doing in future state, which I think that format's continuing. I, you know, there's no spoilers mm -hmm. there. I'm not working there as much as I was before, Right. but it reminds me of things like Shonen Jump. It reminds me of the things that are very successful in other cultures and we're not those places. So there's no guarantee it will succeed, but I like anytime things try to adapt and change. Um, and you know, like you want to bring up Midnighter. 
uh, every Midnighter series I did launched to cancellation numbers. Uh, and then people are sad that he's not around, which is understandable. Um, but so it's pleasing to me that they're looking at these things now and saying, okay, well, there's an audience for that. Maybe by the metrics we're using right now, they can't support a 20 page book, but they might maybe be able to support 10 pages stories in this longer book every month or every two weeks, like is going to be happening with some of these characters. So yes, there's a moment of realization where maybe uh, if your favorite character and my favorite character isn't as beloved to everyone in the direct market as you might want, but it's also exciting that they're still trying to find ways to adapt and deliver them and, and service those audiences. Um, so I'm excited about that, and I'm excited about uh, you know publishers that have stepped up uh, and and only bolstered relationships uh, with with retailers, the ones that kept going and kept delivering content. You know, I'm not here to name names, but uh, their numbers are up now. The things are mostly back because retailers know that they could count on them. I was very proud to be part of the SOS Save Our Stores book from AfterShock. Um, you know, something that they did for free so the retailers would have something new uh, to make some money off of. Um, so I think what you'll see is people, you know, the way that we create comics, the way that I shouldn't say that, the way that we create comics is always haphazardly stressed out at the last minute. That's not going to change. Right. Um, but the way that we deliver comics and deliver content has, you know, we had no choice, change or die. We chose change. Thank God. And I think that's going to keep happening. And I think that that's a good thing. Uh, and I think you're going to see it continue to change. Um, and me personally, yeah, I've had to hustle my ass off this year, but it's also been reassuring because you know, people remember I did this interview in the Hollywood reporter about going freelance in January. Uh, honestly, I'm lucky I did because I was already ready to make a lot of independent connections and get working and, I, it's been reassuring for me, you know, when I was, I was very, very privileged and very, very lucky to be on exclusive contract. I was essentially only freelance for a year in comics because the year after I got in and was making money, I got offered an exclusive and that's an extremely rare thing. And now I'm a year out of that year plus out of that. And, uh, you know, I know that I can do it. Um, I I've made a career with relatively little work at DC and relatively, but more work at Marvel. And, and I listen, that's been amazing. And I hope especially, uh, you know, I can't wait for you guys to see what new is coming from both those companies, um, especially Marvel, because I never worked there before. But I also know that if I go a couple of months without working for them, it's not the end of the world. I can kick myself in the ass and I can keep doing great, exciting work. So I guess for me, the realization has been that I, I, I spent 2020 saying that I was working three times as much, but I was a third as stressed. And, and, and that's been the change for me. And that's honestly a good place to be. It uh, doesn't mean that there's not stress. doesn't mean that I don't have to hustle. I probably have to hustle more. But there's an energy about working on so many new ideas that even the person that I, that I live with doesn't always know them all because that's the churn and that's this excitement. And because we're delivering books in a lot of different ways, like they're all coming out at different times. I'm doing stuff that is uh, like straight to OGN. I'm doing short flash fiction, uh, graphic novellas. I'm doing weekly or excuse me, monthly series. And it's all coming out. Um, and yeah, like it's good. Um, it's a good type of stress and it's a good type of hustle. And for me, I feel empowered coming out of this to know that, yeah, like the cord was cut. Uh, but I know that I can make it now. And I'm honestly, I think that that scales up to how the whole industry should feel because we, the pandemic cut the cord, man. Um, and we still found a way. And I think we're going to come back different, but stronger. Uh, and I'm excited for it. 
Right on. Well, I want to talk about a trend that as a fan, I've been excited about, and certainly you're involved in this over the last few years. We have seen a number of... Um, of creator owned or you know people building their own multiverses using the archetypes using the tropes but building their own worlds like you've done with commanders in crisis uh jeff lamar did with black hammer uh, talk to us a little bit about the freedom of building with playing within the what we're all comfortable with playing within the archetypes but building something that's uniquely yours that's not owned by another company you're not you know you don't have the baggage of canon or i IP to deal with you just get to play with you know you, you get you get the olympian pantheon and you get to put whatever names and colors and costumes on them you want and tell the stories that you want to tell talk to us a little bit about um some of the maybe some of the pitfalls of that but also some of the creative freedoms involved with that you know i'm glad you said pitfalls weirdly because it's not like one is better than the other but mm -hmm. for me after being exclusive for four years um I was only doing one, you know? And so uh, when you're working on these characters, especially at DC, which is again, no shade, like on the whole, DC characters are, the icons are older than Marvel outside of like he, Jim Hammond, Human Torch and Submariner and right. uh, Cap, you know, Marvel came along a little later. Uh, so when you're working on these characters that are coming up or passing their 80th anniversaries, you know, there's an incredible responsibility. There's incredible uh, love uh, from the readership. And you're adding to this ongoing tapestry that, you know, is you know going to go on long after you leave, too. And that's one type of feeling. And it's exciting, you know, getting to work with Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, or in my case, Martian Manhunter is my favorite character. Uh, young Steve still can't believe he did that. Um, <laughs> But it's different than building something from the ground up. And, and, and there's a raw creativity there that's really exciting of knowing that I can do what I want um, and have the freedom and privilege to do what I want. Because, again, not always being able to do what you want is not necessarily a negative. It is part of the deal when you're working on these big characters. Um, so you need to balance. You need to do both. Uh, and, and it's been really, really great doing that. And yeah, you know, I don't know if I could have, and, and the thing too, is that, you know, doing original characters, it's easy for them to fall by the wayside, uh, at big two companies because there are, you're, you're adding to a library of thousands. Mm -hmm. Uh, so in some ways it's easier to get a spotlight when you're doing originals, uh, like commanders in crisis, um, on your ideas, uh, because honestly, you know, if a book I did like The Unexpected, which I'm very proud of. Someone searches DC Comics on Amazon. It's one of tens of thousands of books. Someone right. puts my name in, they're liable to see probably about a hundred books. So so it is easier for the work in the in the outside of the direct market, especially, to be found and what you're saying and what's important for you to be found with originals in a lot of ways. That said, your Marvel Comics debut is coming up this March. It's the 50th anniversary of Man-Thing. Talk to us. You know, we've talked a little bit about creating from scratch, but what is the what was the appeal to you of coming aboard on this milestone anniversary on a fairly underappreciated character? I mean, you get to you know, I, I know people that still don't know their Man-Thing from their Swamp Thing, which we all laugh at them. But at some point, that was all of us as well. But uh, talk to us a little bit about the appeal of coming in now with this character with this like i said this milestone anniversary um i was very uh 
very honored that that Marvel would ask me to to be part of this project, and especially more so that they would trust me with these icons uh, that are going to be standing side by side with Man Thing in this in this series. You know, there's the uh, the Spider Man Curse the Man Thing issue, the Avengers Curse of the Man Thing issue. You can probably guess who the stars of the third one are, but you'll find out when May uh, solicits come out. Right. Uh, and I, you know, like. <laughs> Usually, it's not like I could just jump in at DC in 2014 and be like, Midnighter plus every major character that people <laughs> love. Uh, I tried, and they were like, no. So um, a huge, huge moment for them to answer or to offer that to me. And it's my type of project. You know, uh, Man-Thing is a great character with an amazing conceit and this primal, primal appeal. And that's something that... Uh, you know, without sucking my own dick, I try to think I'm pretty good at presenting to people. Uh, when I was working on Batman and the Shadow and the Shadow Batman, most of my readers were people who did not know who the Shadow was, for the most part. Uh-huh. Uh, when they came in, they were there for Batman. Uh, and and I I can't tell you how many times at a Comic-Con, uh, people come up and say that I showed them why the Shadow was cool, why he was interesting. And that's my favorite. In that case, that's my favorite character, not just in comics, but like in all of like, uh, Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. So, and he's even older. Uh, but I saw something that was real and and modern in him. And so, this is my type of project. I think the appeal of Man Thing, as I said the word primal earlier, and I think that that's really true. You know, uh, his his fire iconography. This idea that it is like what. I was just doing an interview for Sci-Fi Wire, and it was about this exact thing. You know, why does why why does he appeal? Where does he fit in the Marvel universe? Well, if you know, all who who know all who know fear burn at the man things touch. Well, what character, hero or villain, hasn't been afraid? It's so universal. So we know essentially, if fear is the key to him judging us and having sway over us, that that's almost universal. It's almost multiversal. Uh, and so we essentially know in our core that he's someone who could come for us at any time. Or if someone is making us feel fear, he can, he can make those, he can make the abusers or make the terrorized terrorizers feel terrorized. Uh, you know, and I love that. I love the imagery. You know, he is more hulking and monstrous in many ways than the classic Swamp Thing design. Obviously, right. uh, Swamp, he can look like a lot of different things. But the giant elephantine tree trunks, the giant orbs, he feels inhuman. He feels mm-hmm. like a chthonic beast. Uh, you know, ironically, despite having man in his name, he feels less human and is less human than Swamp Thing. There's no reasoning with Man Thing. He's instinctual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I think that that adds to the horror. Uh, you're never going to have an amazing scene, by the way. So again, no shade intended, but you're never going to have him growing a tuber for someone to eat and then basically fuck him. Right. Uh, because that's, that, that's, what's great about Swamp Thing. He's a thinking monster. Man Thing is a primal fear. And I love working with those, those big primal ideas. Uh, the, those things that we all essentially, uh, they're so core to the human, uh, experience thing, the, the concept of fear, which drives him. He is someone that I think we can all sort of connect with on a certain level. And that's before you see what we've done to 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 build a new foundation for him going forward. Right on. Very cool. Well, Steve, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to us this evening. And I know we had said just you know, maybe 30 minutes. I don't know if we can fill that. But uh, yeah, we've been gone the better part of an hour. And I uh, totally appreciate your time. I know you're busy and you've got stuff to work on. Uh, for the folks who are listening who haven't jumped in yet, Commanders in Crisis number four is on the shelf right now at your local comic shop. It's the perfect time to get in because, well, we won't spoil it. But uh, 
that's a good time to get in and get caught up. And then uh, number five is going to be out in just a couple of weeks. So get out there and get those if you haven't already. I know many of the our listeners already have. Um, again, I appreciate your time. I'd love to do this again sometime as your schedule allows. We can talk about uh, man thing as those start to come out or we can talk you know, whatever you want to talk about. You're always welcome to, to join us. I appreciate well, it. Thank you. I'd be happy. I'd be, I, I'm working on something from Marvel right now that has not been announced uh, that I'm I'm very excited about. So I will happily come back. We can do that. We can talk about. Oh man, uh, we can talk, talk about Biggie versus Roman. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if that happened, <laughs> so we can talk about revolution. And if my Sting fandom exists, even though he's sixty-two years old, at least it's <laughs> going to be cinematic. I think yeah. that that it, look the end note on on this uh, on wrestling to end on is that these are because these are people first. Mm-hmm. I love Sting is my favorite wrestler. I want nothing more than to him for him to be happy. And if he wants to wrestle, that's great. But I also don't want to see him hurt himself. So if they can find a way, like I never want, you know, I never wanted to see what happened to him. And I was champion. It was heartbreaking. So I'm not one of those people that's like, Oh, I got to see sting back. And he's like, fuck those people. Like he's a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, if he wants to come back on his terms, awesome. If they found a way to make it safe. Awesome. I just, I, I don't want him to hurt himself. Uh, have, you, have you ever met Steve before? Yeah, we, we yeah, met him here. Very good. And, yeah. uh, you know, I just, and that goes for a lot of people. Like, I love the story of Edge coming back when it's safe. You mm-hmm. know, I, I don't like these, fo- these folks are so addicted to the work and all these things. And I understand that, but like, they're people. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, on that topic, like, I'd love to talk to you after Revolution. I hope they do it cinematic. I hope it's safe. I hope he looks awesome, you know? Yeah. But I also never want to see him on a live show doing buckle bombs again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and for anyone, like, you know, I just, it, it's just not something I want, you know? And uh, for none of these people, you know, no one wanted to see Undertaker. No, no one wanted to see Undertaker Goldberg or anything like it. That's not a dunk on that. Right. I'm not even going to say. It. I'm going to make a joke. It was just sad. Yeah. I saw two men who didn't know how to say no or showed loyalty to someone who clearly doesn't care about them, mm-hmm. uh, putting themselves in danger. And I just honestly like am thankful that he build and fucking kill Taker. <laughs> um, but I don't like. I don't know. Like, there's no amount of nostalgia for me. That will ever make me want to put people, have people like endanger themselves or get hurt. Yeah. Uh, so you know, like I was always a guy like if like I'm excited Sting is back. I never thought it would happen. I want it to be cool. I want it to be safe, and I'd love for him to go out on his terms. Um, but I just hope that everybody feels that way behind the scenes, and I don't know for sure, but I hope so. Yeah. Very good. Again, I appreciate your time tonight, Steve. Thank you so much. All right. So thanks again to Steve for joining us and giving us his take on uh, wrestling and comics and what's going on this weekend. Hopefully, like we said, we can uh, get together and do that again soon. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Royal Rumble here in a little bit. But you had a chance, I know, to, to sit back and listen as well. Um, he, he had some he had some unique takes. I thought they were pretty good. Oh yeah. Entertaining too. There's, you know, you always worry about when you interview somebody, if there's going to be a lot of, uh, and a lot of dragon, there's no dragon that it's, it keeps moving along pretty good. I, I enjoyed the interview. Yeah. I've Steve. had interviews that I've done in the past when I used to do interview like local rock bands. I interviewed this one, interviewed this one girl and it was literally like, I asked this question. She's like, um, yeah. 
Sure. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm not using any of this shit. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> material there. Yeah, yeah. I've well, almost uh, fallen asleep in an interview before. <laughs> it was like eight in the morning, and I'd barely slept. And then we were an hour into this interview, and the guy was still talking about this thing that I really didn't give a fuck about. And I, I started like yawning, but trying to like keep my mouth closed. And it's just like I feel like it's just weird, like bullfrog look, or, you know, <laughs> trying trying to hold in a yawn. And it's like I'm about to fall asleep on this guy. He's still fucking talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily we've only reached out to people that are going to be good interviews. So uh, Steve's yeah. definitely one of the better ones. So we appreciate him taking the time to talk with us this week. Um, so that and was our yeah. that was our discussion for this week. <laughs> but I would like to throw this one out there because we do have a pop quiz this week and i want to take a couple minutes just do a little bit of discussion uh regarding this week's pop quiz so we had we talked about it earlier on we had the trailer for godzilla versus kong everybody's kind of weighed in on the trailer different stuff catching easter eggs and shit but the big question is which of these two is going to win this epic throwdown, smackdown, showdown, Godzilla or Kong? So what we'll do is everybody's going to just kind of take a second, think about which one of these you think is the winner, and just one quick reason why. Kind of give us your take on why Godzilla or why Kong is winning this thing, and then we will, uh, we'll, we'll see what we decide amongst the five of us. Can't be a tie because there's five of us. And then we will kick this out to social media for this week's pop quiz. Who's got a thought? Who wants to go first? I got a thought. Go ahead. I have actually seen the trailer. Okay. <laughs> I forgot to watch it. That's all right. But I'm going to say Godzilla just because they already – didn't they already do a Godzilla versus Kong movie and Kong won in the original one? Well, Zero there were two There were two edits. There was the it was oh, a, it was course. it was Toho that did it so the owners of the rights to Godzilla and so if you saw the original cut which was aired in Japan Godzilla won and for uh, for US audiences King Kong won so they did two two cuts you know, I have that movie somewhere. Is do it you? possible they'll do it like the Clue movie where it like depends <laughs> on the theater you go to depending on where you are <laughs> or how about this ending I'm going to go I, The cocaine hippos. The cocaine they hippos. Got, the rocky ending. Yeah. Well, I you kind of <laughs> took the wind out of my sails because like, okay, if Kong won the original, then it's going to be Godzilla this time because people would be pissed off if they just got the exact same fucking ending. Right. But now I don't know. <laughs> All right. Other thoughts. So now it's somebody else go. <laughs> Other thoughts. Go ahead, Brandon. I think, uh, no, go ahead, Brandon. Go ahead. Uh, I think no one wins, especially if they're doing a the close producers call. win. Yeah, well, exactly. No, no. The what studio. I, mean is, <laughs> I think no one wins, especially if they're fighting very close to populated land. Okay. No, that's what I think. Because I haven't seen the trailer and I have no idea. That kind of sounds like a cop out. Pick one, pick one or two. Which one's which one? Pong or Godzilla? Just for shits and giggles. I, you, I, you, t- you didn't I know, know the more music- of King Kong. Okay, I was gonna say you didn't know anything about the music last week, and you still back Curtis's play every time, except for the last song. So, except so pick the last one. song, which is like the most popular song. <laughs> exactly. <on that> <laughs> what song was it? I don't even remember. Riders pick. The there you go. That's right. Pick. Uh, so pick one. Song. Pick Godzilla I or really Kong. Don't. Godzilla or Kong? Peer pressure. Make a choice. 
Oh, I said Kong. Kong? Okay. Brad, peer pressure. Make a choice. Okay. Because they called Godzilla the king of the monsters, it would be more of an upset if King Kong knocked his fucking ass out. So I'm going to go with Kong. So two Kongs. All right. Curtis, Kenny, what do you guys got? Kenny, go first. Uh, this is something Kenny is the king of the monsters. Look at and uh, it, by far, it would be King Kong would be the winner just because he's stronger. He's more agile. The... He's got opposable thumbs. Well, there you go. Uh, The fire that comes out of Godzilla is highly overrated. It's not as strong as, you know, everybody likes to think it is. So I don't think it's going to hit him. But he's also, Kong is smart. He adapts. He uses his surroundings. He would find a way to beat Godzilla's ass pretty easy. So hands (laughs) down, it would be Kong. If, If this was a real thing and they were actually their animals, then Kong would win. Curtis. I agree with you, but oh, I, <laughs> no, no, no. Can't, can't like in the very in the 2014 film again. I haven't seen it. Can't uh, Godzilla breathe fire? Yeah, yeah. He literally just mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, sorry, I wasn't listening. It's more like a, okay, like, Curtis. You go. It's more like a plasma type um, stuff. But it's, yeah, think, it's it's just radiation discharge. Yeah. Yeah. I think the underdog here is Kong. People are kind of expecting Kong to win because he's the more sympathetic of the two. Based on the trailers, something's causing Godzilla to do this, and I think they're going to duke it out. Godzilla is going to mortally wound Kong before he comes to his senses. Kong dies, leaving Godzilla the winner, <laughs> even though he's back to being good. So Did you just rehash BVS? <laughs> that was Batman versus. There was a there was a meme. Why did you save Mothra? Yeah, save Mothra. <laughs> like yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they come together at the end to fight another enemy. Well, yeah, so every, that's gonna, everybody knows that. Yeah. yeah. So which one did you say, Curtis Godzilla? I have, I think Godzilla's gonna win. I mean, I was gonna say Kong, like you know, Kong killed Godzilla, but Godzilla laid an egg, so there's gonna be another Godzilla. That's another option, but I'm Dead going Zuki. full Godzilla because everyone else is voting Kong. So, well, you know, Fair Robin enough. laid an egg once. Here's another thing for Kong, if I may. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Godzilla, Godzilla pops up every now and again when there's another monster and you know, gives him a throwdown. But Kong grew up on Skull Island in the thick of it with monsters all around. It's like he he grew up fighting. He's got more experience. And he's had to adapt to those different styles so that he's got more going yeah. for Godzilla just relies on the you know plasma breath and that's yeah. his whole game. He's got nothing else. And, yeah. and also think- can't Kong move a little faster than Godzilla can? He can jump yeah, and all that shit. Yeah, he's like four times faster than Because I'm only basing it from the trailer I've seen of Godzilla twenty fourteen and Kong Skull Island, so are you guys saying it's safe to say that Kong's going to skull fuck Godzilla? I'm guessing that doesn't occur in this version. I don't know that anybody's saying that, but you, Curtis, actually. That would be quite the plot twist. Whoa, It was weird that the movie was rated R, and it was like nothing until the ending. Once Kong just fucking the shit out of his skull. Going like this, yeah. the victor. 
think we made Brandon uncomfortable. <laughs> I think we made everybody listening uncomfortable as well. <laughs> I apologize, folks. I uh, I'm also gonna go with Kong because I I. I did watch the trailer, and Kong swinging a fucking axe. I don't know where Kong got an axe that big, but Kong swinging an axe. Kong is using a tool, I guess. Kong's using a tool. Yeah. So I think yeah. Tools. I'm gonna go Kong as well, but I think to the point earlier, we know. I think we know that yeah, it's no. There's not gonna be a winner. The winner is gonna be the studio. They're gonna they're going to be fighting, and then they'll come together and take out. A different enemy, which looks like from and the trailer, it's Mega Godzilla. The <laughs> there you go. <laughs> be yes. Each pick an eye sock. <laughs> there you go. Be Ooh. yes. F- finger cuffing with the uh, the enemy. Yes. So that is our take. We overwhelmingly have chosen Kong, but it's oh, not up. Me. It's not up to us. It is up to you. This week's We're pop sorry, quiz. Man. This week's pop quiz is live right now. I heard none of that. That's probably for the best. <laughs> I I wish our, we have people listening right now to the podcast saying, "I wish I would not listen to any of that either." You can vote right now in the pop quiz, Godzilla or Kong. You can vote on Facebook and Twitter by searching for and following at PGTC Podcast. The pop quiz is pinned right to the top of those pages, so you can't miss them. We'll bring you the results of the pop quiz on next week's brand new episode of the Pop Goes the Culture Podcast. Coming up this week in entertainment and pop culture, first up, we talked about the Royal Rumble. We talked about it a lot. Uh, We are going to be doing our watch party like we do every month. Uh, We get together online and uh, we watch the WWE pay-per-view main event. Uh, That is on the Pop Goes the Culture cast channel to join us for that Sunday night. You can go to uh, just, I think it's cast.com. GG, I think cast dot something. Uh, just search for cast. Type in K A S T. You can set up a free account. Doesn't cost you a thing. You can click on the link on our website, or it'll be posted on social media on Sunday as well. You go right to the channel, the cast channel, and you request access to join the channel. Um, so get your request in anytime. You can start putting your request in right now, um, or all the way up to the event itself. Uh, and then what we'll do is about an, about an hour before the show starts, we'll go in and start approving everything. We'll just start hitting approve on everybody's. On everybody's Everybody's request to join the party. And then that begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central is what time the show kicks off. So uh, by then, by 6 o'clock, uh, 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 Central, you should be able to jump back into that cast channel and watch the event with us. You can type along in the chat your thoughts as we're watching. Um, we'll do what we always do. We'll be watching the show. We'll be watching the chat. We'll be talking to, with the fans. We'll be watching social media, watching Steve's Twitter account. And uh, we'll be taking it all in uh, this Sunday Again, on the Pop Goes the Culture cast channel. Links to all that and more at popgoestheculture.com. Also, this Sunday night, the Grammy Awards on CBS. That's still a thing. That's still a thing. They're still doing it this year. I thought they moved them to March. From what I understand, the last I saw, the Grammy Awards are still taking place this Sunday night. We'll see if that holds up. Uh, Also, this next week, Impractical Jokers season premiere on True TV. Uh, Host. Did anybody anybody else watch Host on Shudder this year? The horror films filmed over Zoom. It was a seance uh, film. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I thought yeah, you were talking yeah, about yeah. the Bong Joon-ho movie. No, no, no. Host host on uh, Shudder. That hits home video this Tuesday, so if you have not had a chance to watch it, you can uh, check that out 
on uh, Tuesday on DVD or Blu-ray. And then new comics again, of course, from DC on Tuesday. The rest of the comics world has new comics out on Wednesday. Be sure to check those out at your local comic book store. Thursday night, we'll be recording next week's episode of the Pop Goes the Culture podcast. You can join us live for the recording on the Pop Goes the Culture Facebook page, on our Twitch channel, on the YouTube channel. Links to every one of those, whichever one you want to join us on, at popgoestheculture.com. You can watch, you can listen, you can interact with us as we're recording. We read all the comments in the chat, so we just might read your comments on the air, depending on what you're putting in there. And then next Friday, of course, look for next week's episode of the Pop Goes the Culture podcast in the podcast player of your choice. If you've enjoyed this or any episode of the Pop Goes the Culture podcast, please take a moment, leave a review in your preferred podcast player. doesn't cost a thing, and it really is one of the best ways you can show your support for the show. I think that's just about going to wrap us up for this week. Has anybody got anything else for this week's episode? I do. Go. Hit it. No. Did you figure that out the name band. of that band? Yeah, oh. there you go. <laughs> that band. From two hours ago. From, yeah. <laughs> from two hours ago, that band from Denver, Colorado, that's on Bandcamp, that's a doom metal band, is called Shepherd. So go check them out. Such a difficult name for him to remember. <laughs> Shepherd. Yeah. Very good. Anything else? So the Wyatt Grammy Awards are March 14th. They moved them? All right. There you go. Yeah. Three weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, drink that. <laughs> Drink that maple syrup straight out of the jar. <laughs> well, I think that's about it then. We're going to wrap it up. Be yeah. sure to check out, again, popgoestheculture.com. You can get your Pop Goes the Culture swag. I saw we we had some we had some pictures coming in on social media, people busting out their Pop Goes the Culture uh, shirts, T-shirts, uh, hoodies, I'm to, whatever. I'm trying to design a, that one bitch T-shirt design. I don't think anyone will ever buy. But I told him to design a <laughs> cocaine hippos with dickless cage with a giant <laughs> pair of ribbon cutting scissors but he hasn't done I think that yet. I think I, cocaine hippos could concept. be a I think cocaine hippos I think just instead of trying to mash up a whole bunch of things I think just cocaine hippos <laughs> might be your winner <laughs> okay. there cocaine right. hippos even dickless cage on his own would be a, a seller yeah. in my book like yeah there's a couple of yeah. oh and or naming him butcher his character in this cocaine hippos movie he's he's the butcher uh, yeah, anyway, I think I think if you I think if you I think if you just do one <laughs> one concept at a time per shirt, I think you're gonna do better. There was better. a uh, long time ago, late night Jimmy Fallon, they would give out as prizes like for the games they would play Led Zeppelin T-shirts with the L falling off, so it just says Ed Zeppelin. Huh. I'm not thinking of that. Yeah, Cur- the Curtis, what you have? That, like leave. The L had to leave because, you know, it came in second place. Wow. Well, anyway, my, I was just like, I had this idea for a shirt for the cocaine hippos. It's it, It'll be good. I'm not going to say it here. I don't want someone to steal it. All right. There you go. Do it better can, than me. <laughs> I've got some thoughts as well. We could, we could talk after the show. So be sure to check that out again, popgoestheculture.com. Just click on the online store, pick up your Pop Goes the Culture shirt. And, yeah, we will be updating with new designs uh, throughout around the calendar all, all year long. So check that out. Well, I want to thank my co-hosts. I thank Brandon, Kenny, Curtis, and Brad for joining us this week. Thanks again to everybody who joined us for the live stream. Thanks to everybody listening to the podcast whenever and wherever you are. Again, my name is Joey Mills with the Pop Goes the Culture Podcast Network. Have a great weekend. We will catch you right back here next week for another brand new episode episode of the pop goes the culture podcast be safe be healthy be happy we will see you next time later nice beaver
This show has been brought to you by the Pop Goes the Culture Podcast Network. Find links to all of our podcasts and more at popgoestheculture.com.